Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm Charles Rogers. And I'm Wyatt from First Steps, and I've seen uh, some absolutely crazy Star Wars this week. <laughs> yes, there's the other variant. So if, if you guys remember from Kelvin, uh, that is how the folks from First Steps introduced themselves. And Wyatt is joining us to finish off our run of guests here. We started with Calvin from First Steps. We're ending with Wyatt. So Wyatt, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's been a couple days since I watched the episode. So it's like <laughs> being on is like, I'm really having to remember how wild it was. I went back and watched it last night to take my notes. And I was like, now that I know that this is coming, I still can't quite believe that I'm seeing this on my screen. (laughs) There's a... Yeah, Wyatt, do you you want to tell us a little bit about First Steps? Uh, I know Calvin was just on, but for some people, this may be the first episode they're tuning in. You want to tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, so so Calvin and I were roommates in college our freshman year, and we both love Star Wars. And uh, so we like we were commiserated about that at the time. And then a couple of years later, he came back to me with this idea for a podcast with one of his friends, Andy, who'd never seen Star Wars, but wanted to get into it. And there's the debate all the time about, do you start with a new hope? Do you start chronological? And we decided to introduce Star Wars to them chronologically so they could watch stuff like Clone Wars and Rebels and uh, the, the modern spinoffs and see how they liked it. And we did a, started to do a podcast about it. And so that's what we're, we're doing. We record pretty regularly. We try to get it out every two weeks and we are rapidly approaching the end of the clone wars yeah y'all are um, booking it y'all are it's getting it. it's getting pretty ominous uh as andy doesn't know exactly what's going to happen in revenge of the sith but the foreshadowing in clone wars is so strong that like doom is on the horizon doom. so our next our next episode which i think hopefully will be out not this week but the week after um is going to be on the back half of season six of the clone wars and you can find us on all the normal podcast platforms. Yeah, I uh, one thing that First Steps does, which is really good, is is they blow through these episodes. Because clearly, Andy does not want to wait at all yeah, to watch them. Well, and, so they'll do and arcs. We we would it would take so long to get through Clone Wars if we did it like episode by episode. And at a certain point, like this isn't to knock any of the Clone Wars episodes, which are like do work standalone. I watched it week by week as a kid but in the four-part arcs especially like you gotta keep going like it it the middle episodes of the uh of of four-part arcs it's like okay i know we're getting somewhere we're, we're laying the groundwork but i think it would be pretty agonizing to wait for the conclusion until the next episode plus we're our attempts to record are often uh rube goldberg machines like we trying to string together all of our schedules uh in well, we had people being students, jobs, different places. <laughs> Andy does LARP now. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, I I knew people that did that in college. That is a nightmare to schedule. Oh, good Lord. Bradley and I wouldn't know anything about coordinating uh, completely off schedules, would we, Bradley? <laughs> Never. 
Bradley's yeah. your work, your work schedule does not sound fun. Um, thankfully it's over. Um, nice. As of today, uh, it's, you know, whenever you're contracted for shows and you know, you never know what you're going to get with these shows. And so, especially since I work in reality TV, yeah. Um, reality TV is not the same as regular TV. Uh, there is no set schedule. Um, and so whenever something arises, you know, they're like, oh, hey, we want to do an event on the last day of filming um, because we have to get it in for this season because COVID fucked a lot of our schedule up this year. Yeah. Um, and so they were struggling to just get content for the show because they were like, oh, well, we haven't done any events this season. We haven't done any trips this season. So they're like, we got to go do all this stuff. And so it literally in the last month, we've done both like three events and a trip. And it's always just like an insane schedule because everybody's running around trying to like do it. It has been very rewarding for the show to have five guests in a row but oh lord, lord was it a struggle to try to to make that work with Bradley finishing up his production. Oh jeez! I would encourage everybody once again check out First Steps. They uh, they are doing some great. It's very interesting. It's always very interesting to hear someone's perception on Star Wars media who's never seen another star wars especially with andy actually experiencing the story in chronological order is very fun to listen to especially when they inadvertently uh get things right that's terrifying you can i hear calvin and i making faces at each other on the zoom even though we're trying not to uh it just ends up with us furiously texting each other while the recording is going (laughs) on like i will level with you that is why i invited both of you on i i could hear it as I was listening, because I listen to podcasts at work, I could hear both of your teeth gritting. I was like, I need to give those two a chance to come on and talk about some current Star Wars on a podcast without worrying. Yeah, there's some there's some times where like I have to remember like what I can say versus what I can't say. It's usually pretty easy, but uh, even it's just especially with Revenge of the Sith, because that's so like ingrained in the dna of clone wars so i have to remember oh no i can't talk about that it's been it's been interesting not mentioning order 66 at all up until the latest episode where they talk about it on the show but like the fact that andy for it now knows something's coming with the clones but up until now was like oh, so worried about the clones and not knowing the thing that's like supposed to be the dramatic irony of the tragedy of the clones has been fascinating to watch I believe fives is the one that Andy really likes. Yes. Liked. Sorry, liked. Past tense, because we passed the conspiracy art. Yep. Whoops. All right. So before we dive into the episode, uh, I am introducing a new segment that I'm calling uh, Bradley's Book Club, because Bradley recently (laughs) discovered audiobooks uh, and has been experiencing them and won't tell me off the air what he thought of them. So Bradley, real fast, <laughs> before we dive into the episode, you want to tell me what you just finished and what you thought of it? Yeah, so um, I finished my second book now, which is uh, Thrawn, um, the new version of the old books that were rewritten in yeah, the modern. So age. yeah, it's the same author, Timothy Zahn, right. who wrote the Thrawn trilogy. And what Thrawn is is uh it's an origin story for thrawn 
that ties into Star Wars Rebels. So the first few chapters, you know, where they pick him up from the planet, other than the presence of Eli Vanto, that is almost um, that is almost like word for word how he was found in Legends. Like literally the same characters are there and everything is just Eli's theirs now. And from Got there, it. they delve into this backstory. Uh, it's kind of fun because... The original Legends backstory for Thrawn was that he'd been exiled from the Chiss Ascendancy. So the twist at the end of the book comes out of nowhere for even Legends fans who like uh, were like, oh yeah, he was exiled for doing this and this. You get to the end of the book, it's like, nope, psych twist. Right, anyway, he's like, just kidding, I'm lying. <laughs> anyway, Bradley, what, what did you think overall of uh, the gay romance novel you just read? <laughs> um honestly i loved it um I, I don't come at me uh charles and all those other high republic fans but i thought it was much better than the high republic book um yeah eat my entire fucking ass <laughs> now like that, your opinion you, congratulations your opinion is stupid and wrong about books too I feel like Zahn is like either you love him or you hate him author. And if you yeah. love him, his stuff is great. Um, I haven't read the new stuff, but I love the old Thrawn trilogy. My, uh, my cousins had some, a lot of the nineties legends books and I got like a hand-me-down box of them when I was a kid. So the Thrawn, the Thrawn, seeing a lot of the Thrawn stuff, sort of the legacy carried on has been really cool. Um, I love I love the new books because uh, well one I love Thrawn as a character anyway I think he's like my favorite character from Rebels to you know come out of that and I, I knew that he was from the books because just of context people were like oh he's from Legends blah 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 and this was them kind of reintroducing him read me that was me that that was like <laughs> that <laughs> please continue yeah um, but I I like the books because it gives me more into him. Um, I like there's the side plot of Arinda Price, um, who I also love as a character now even more. Like, I never thought of her much in the Rebel show. And then having this whole backstory that they give her in the first book of like, you know, she's so like ruthless and trying to work her way up the political ladder. Like, it makes me want like a show. Like I told Charles, like, I want a Thrawn show, but I want it to be a prequel. And I want it to be like, all just like West Wing meets like an action kind of you know show. I just want to like a weird political drama. <laughs> but, like, so the books space. you're looking for are called the Ascendancy novels, and you will get there. I'll get because there. oh boy, do you think Thrawn is like a political book? The Ascendancy novels are something else. Oh boy, I just finished them. Now I'm loving them. So. Now, Bradley, what are you reading next? Because you you wouldn't tell me. You intimated that you were reading something next, but you wouldn't tell me the other day. So I I was going to wait um, to see, like, because, you know, you only get two credits, like, for when you sign up for Audible. So I was right. only able to get two novels. Um, but I, since I finished the first one, thanks to Hope, uh, they let me in on a little, uh, like, hint that you can return Audible books, which I didn't know that was possible. Uh, it wasn't Hope. It was Mel. Oh, Mel. I'm sorry. Um, Mel taught me that and they were like hey you can just return um, the, the Audible book once you're done with it and I think you can t return up to like six in a month period or something like that before they're like whoa 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 you're like trying to gain the system mm -hmm. um, 
So I I returned the High Republic book and then I just got the second Thrawn book, uh, which is called Alliances. Yes, the Darth Vader okay. team up. So I, which I thought was so cool because I'm reading that and they switch back and forth from like present day Thrawn and Darth Vader doing stuff and then past Thrawn and Anakin doing stuff, which is really cool because the the voice actor who does all the voices for all these audible books um he does a really good Anakin impression like I don't know Mark why Thompson. Just, yeah and I'm like it's like I can hear it like I know it's not exactly the same but I it's like I'm like huh it's pretty good it's pretty spot on oh uh, nice well we will definitely revisit this once Bradley has read more of the book but there is a lot to this episode and we need to get I into know. it uh, so much so that I am skipping things that happened this week because we just don't have time to talk about them. Bradley, let go ahead and take us into the episode, would you please? Alrighty, this week the Mandalorian gives Grogu a visit, Ahsoka gives us major Ant Skywalker vibes, and Boba Fett begins to assemble his army. Wyatt, what's one thing you liked about this episode and one thing you did not? I know this will be hard to pick one thing, but go for it. <laughs> uh... I'll say, honestly, my favorite parts were uh, the return of Cobb Vanth, his two scenes um, with with Din and with Cad Bane. Um, and I I I do love Star Wars as a Western. And I like that they sort of this they picked the right moment to go full Western, like on the iconography for that scene. So that was very fun. Uh, and the part I didn't like was uh, Luke's attachment line. I'll talk about that more um but i was not an amazing fan of exactly how black and white that was handled um even though i think i get what they were going for and charles what about you so i'm gonna roughly paraphrase the thing that i tweeted out uh after watching this episode i said something to the effect of this episode managed to fix the one complaint i had about episode five while simultaneously removing one my one defense to it so my one thing I liked, which is going to be the thing that I fix, that, that they fixed, I felt like, was last week I said, this is a really good episode, but it doesn't tie into Boba Fett's story at all. And I said, you can have an episode without Boba Fett in it, but you need to show the effects that the Boba Fett story is having in the world. It's sometimes interesting to move away and see that from a different point of view. And I didn't feel like episode five did that. Episode six does that. We see the effect of the Pike Syndicate moving in, which is directly tied to the Boba Fett story, on uh, Freetown. We see the effect on uh, the Sanctuary. We see stuff happening. We get a ground level view of the Pikes just moving in and doing whatever they want. And I do really like that. Uh, My one defense of episode five was I said, because Den is going to be such a part of Boba Fett's story it makes sense to take a diversion and really establish where he's at as a character and that was I felt the purpose of episode five episode six did the exact same thing for Grogu and I'm now like yeah but why is this here exactly in an extended capacity like I don't want to call it necessarily a knock because I don't know what's going to happen in episode seven. I haven't watched it yet. But for me, 
watching these scenes, I'm like, okay, we're doing the exact same thing. We're doing an in-depth character study for Grogu and where he's at, but like, why is this here? Why is this not at the beginning of Mandalorian season three? Right. I don't get it as much. That's fair. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that in large part because like, it seems like it almost takes the wind out of the sails of Mandalorian season three that some of this stuff happened in the book of Boba Fett show. Like I, I've really enjoyed the, uh, the stuff with Din. Like it's, it's pretty much exactly what I wanted to see with him after uh, Mandalorian season two. If I do think he went back to Grogu a little quick for my tastes, I was hoping they'd give him a little more time adrift on his own. It's just, it's, I'm very curious now because it, last week it was obvious. Okay. We're, we're catching up with Din. He's going to be a huge part of whatever the finale is. Ha. How the hell does Grogu play in? It, what does he have to do with the crime war? He's just a baby. He, he doesn't care about syndicates and spice. He wants a frog and maybe a lightsaber. What, where, what, where are we going? And that's, that's not for, for me necessarily to say that the Grogu stuff is bad because it's not. It's great. Nor no. do I think it's unnecessary for the full plot of the story that the whole meta New Republic series is trying to tell I just don't know why it needs to be right here, right now. I was just going to say, Calvin and I were talking about this this week, and he was saying that he would have liked almost for them to have done an Ahsoka Luke Grogu like special episode, like give them because they we we have an extended uh, time with them in this episode, like we're talking about, but also a million other things happened. <laughs> we didn't necessarily give like like I think. Some of my complaints about the Ahsoka Luke Grogu stuff that I'm going to talk about, I think would have landed, ironically, if they were given more time. And uh, I I think it would be cool for Star Wars to just do... I love when Star Wars does new things. And uh, he compared it to the Euphoria specials, um, mm. where they released yeah. character-focused episodes during essentially, dur essentially during the COVID delay. And I think it would have been... I think I, think I agree with him that I almost would have rather had just back straight up back to the man, the, uh, the Boba Fett stuff uh, and had this stuff maybe released as specials to hype us up for Mandalorian season three. If we, if we're not gonna, they don't want to wait until the full season comes out. Bradley, what's one thing you liked and one thing you did. No. And on, on that point, I also agree. Like my, one of the things I liked about the episode was the Ahsoka Luke um, kind of dynamic on the show um but <laughs> funny enough that's the one thing i also didn't like because i agree i think that it doesn't fit in quote-unquote book of boba because it has nothing to do with boba so it's kind of like a weird like they're treating this almost like you know the the book of boba is being treated right now as like as is as if it's the avengers movie like everybody's kind of coming back and you know we're getting all these plot lines and stuff but it's like you know we're, we're still watching iron man 2 like we gotta we gotta finish iron man 2 before we can introduce the avengers like it's great and all that you want to have them all in here but like we need to we kind of need to finish his story and i think they would have i agree they would have benefited from just saying like we don't have to call it a show but you can call it like a special and just say it's an hour-long special of the mandalorian and it's like episode you know 2.5 or season 2.5 of the Mandalorian was last week's. And then like this week could be, you know, or you could have introduced the, 
the Grogu stuff at the end of that and made it an extra long episode. And then this episode would just have been the Cobb Vance scene in the beginning, the teaser, and then it would have just been the assembling of Mando and the rest of the group, and then the finale with Cobb Vance again. That would have been the whole episode, and they could have just stretched it out a little bit more and added a few more things, but... I think an argument or a comparison can be drawn to Captain America Civil War. But the thing with Captain America Civil War is that, while yeah, it was Avengers 2.5, everything in that movie, I almost said show, was not a show. (laughs) Everything in that movie related to Steve Rogers in some way. Everyone was there because of Steve Rogers. Right. Everything was built around Steve Rogers and the choices that he was making. And I feel like with the last episode in particular, but to a degree with this one, the fact that there's stuff in there that doesn't relate directly to Boba Fett or to the broader story that Boba Fett has instigated, which is a key point. These are, uh, these are the things that are causing issues because like no one's going to complain about the Freetown stuff, even though Boba Fett's not in it because it directly ties into the Boba Fett story. Whereas the Grogu stuff, I'm like, I love this. This is great. Why is it here? Let's get right into it. Chapter six begins with Cobb Vanth confronting a group of pikes, which ultimately ends in a shootout. He lets one go to warn the syndicate. Title card, From the Desert Comes a Stranger. Hi, Daddy. <laughs> yeah, between, Hi, Daddy. between the first appearance of Cobb Vanth and this week's episode, I've watched all of Santa Clarita Diet where Timothy uh, Oliphant is in. A show and, is so uh, good. I know. So I like, I liked him. I, I was, I was, I liked the actor. I liked the character the last time, but I like have so much more affection for Timothy Oliphant now. Yeah. So it was great to see him again. Honestly, I feel like this is, this is what I wanted from cameos. Like he's, and, and the, this is a cool connection to Mandalorian. And like, I like that Din's here because we know from the Mandalorian, he has strong connections to Tatooine. He speaks Tuscan Raider like he we I like that we're bringing in some of the the characters that man Mandalorian established on Tatooine. Um, and that was that honestly is sort of the stuff that I like pretty much no notes, no complaints. Yeah. <laughs> it was badass. It's yeah. I mean, it's it, one nice thing about this broad sort of TV show universe that they're creating is they can build off of stuff that they've done elsewhere. And I think Cobb Vance was just a natural inclusion he even says at one point he says i'm the one tells folks what to do around here which is one of the lines that he says quite a bit in mandalorian so it's it's nice that we've already established if you've seen mandalorian if you've seen this you've probably seen mandalorian season two and if you've seen mandalorian season two you know who cop vamp is uh so i i was happy to see his presence uh i love that he uh, like sort of in good good foreshadowing of how badass Cat Bane's going to be later, he easily wins this gunfight with the Pikes. Mm. Oh yeah, narratively like, it, from a screenwriting perspective, it's, it's to set up if you establish a heroic character as being very good at something, like doing a quick draw, then later you will introduce a villain who is better at the quick draw. Yep. I will talk at some point I think about the behind the scenes stuff about this episode that I don't no, but kind of want to speculate about a little that's sort of and that's sort of what i do on for on first steps uh i am 
I remember all of the behind the scenes stuff because I'm that kind of dork. I love <laughs> that. I have all the making of books of the original trilogy. Um, but I and I do have some complaints about it. But I think this was this was just well, well, well done, well executed, really fun. Both Cobb Vance stuff. I think think it through might be my new favorite way of saying fuck around and find out. <laughs> think it through. Think it through. Think it through. Uh, you know what's funny is when I was watching this scene, it was giving me like, you know how we we always talk about the um, Rangers of the New Republic show slash movie or whatever that got canceled. Yeah, and, rest in peace. Right. You will not um, be missed unless you give it to Paul Sun Hyung Lee, which I still think they should do. Well, now that I think about it, I almost kind of feel like you should retool it and make it a Cobb Vance show slash movie because he is a quote unquote sheriff of the town, but it kind of would make sense for him to like, I don't know, not necessarily get a promotion, but like be like, hey, something happens in Book of Boba that makes it so that I can't be the sheriff anymore of this town. Therefore, now I need to look to a new career path slash thing where I still want to help people. There you go. He's our new mm. superhero cop in space. Instead of Rangers of the New Republic, you do the Avengers, but for so you you put together. So he's Captain people. America. So you put you know, yeah. Cobb Vanth with uh, Carson Teva is also here, uh, and you could bring in some of the people from the Aftermath books. Uh, we will we will mention aftermath in depth later on in the episode and and you just shove them all, all the new republic people together and yeah, you not? have them run around the galaxy and uh, i don't know do space cop shit <laughs> i didn't have a chance to check uh i think that's a very similar speeder it looks like a very similar speeder to the one that the they use in solo a star wars story mm-hmm. i didn't check but i did want to point that out yeah, that and the uh, the major demo speeder from earlier from the slow speed chase, both very similar models. I would not be surprised if they're redressed versions of the of the actual set. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of. When you think about it, that might have been a retroactive clue that they were working with the Pikes if they have a speeder from Corellia. Oh, that the Pikes, make a lot of sense. The Pikes aren't really involved in Corellia, but there's that one guy who looks like a Pike. Yeah, with the dogs. I don't know. Yeah, I think Obliga- the pikes. I think the Sorry, pikes are separate, but Corellia. I mean, they Corellia's in canon is just a mess, so I wouldn't be surprised if the pikes have a presence there. Uh, this is everyone's plug to uh, read read the High Republic. Uh, Midnight Horizon just came out. It is set on Corellia, and it is wonderful. I did hear about. I was interested. Also, I have gay. I have not read much of the High Republic stuff. I've read the, uh, a decent amount of the comics, but that's it. Um, but it all sounds really interesting. At some point, I will decide, like, okay, I'm getting into the High Republic. <laughs> uh, my final note for this sequence. So the Pike tells Cobb Vant that this is enough spice to retire. It's Or no, he tells him it's worth more than his town. Than and town, Cobb yeah. Vant's like, well, maybe I'll retire. And he makes the guy keep, he makes the guy leave it anyway. And we see it's this tiny box, like this tiny little box of it that he kind of kicks over. The point was raised on social media, and I have to echo it. If that was enough spice to retire on, how much spice did Trace Martez dump in hyperspace? For for that matter, Han Solo. Yeah. When you think about it, this explains why the Pikes were pissed with 
Trace Martez and why Jabba the Hutt was so pissed with Han Solo. Right. Just even a tiny little amount is enough. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I also think the Pike was was like definitely talking down to him as like uh, he's a backwards hick. You don't know what you got. Right. Uh, you, you you that's enough to retire on because you live in, you live on a dune. <laughs> we will we will get another dune reference later on in this episode. Thank you, Calvin. I did. It did crack me up when it tipped over and like because I think that's the first time we've seen Spice on screen in live action. Episode and- two. Did we see we some? We saw it okay. in episode two because the thing pops open and it comes out and Calvin, who was on, pointed out gotcha. that it looks just like the spice yeah. from Dune. Yeah, that's what I and that's what I thought with this one with the with the box, because it it was it wasn't a Camtono. It was like a tradi- it was it was a wooden box or like look similar. So I always think it's funny when things are not spacey in Star Wars. So it's just a box with a hinge. There's there's a moment from a comic, I forget which comic it is, where I think it's a recent one where one character leaves another character a handwritten note. And this is surprising for the characters. They were like, they actually wrote this out by hand? What? Yeah, I think Afra does that for Tolvan at one point, too, in an older comic. Yes. Stan Dr. Afra. Black Chrysanthemum is seen in this episode, uh. so... That is a good segue for a plug to, uh, oh, oh, Wyatt's holding up a Dr. Afra's Black Series. I have a Black, yeah, I have the Black Series Afra. Black Series Afra, nice. (laughs) If people want to get into Star Wars comics, I honestly recommend the first run of Darth Vader and then the Dr. Afra comics. They are really Yeah, I really want the uh, Omnibus they put out, but it's it's huge. It's so much money. It's giant. And the current run of Afra is unbelievably good. I am obsessed with Just Lucky and his ex-boyfriend. I, I love it. Switching to the Mandalorian, Din Djarin makes his way to see Grogu, but not before meeting up with our old pal R2-D2 who asks him to wait. Nearby, Grogu is meditating with Luke Skywalker, and on a walk together, Luke helps Grogu remember Order 66 because he's a jerk. <laughs> Dave Filoni, man. I've... <sighs> Dave, we were joking. We were joking when we said, where's the Order 66 in the show going to be? That was not a challenge. You did not need to find a way to put Order 66 in the show. Come on. Well, I do, I do like that, though, just as a thematic link to the flashbacks we've had with Boba. Like, that's, that's one tie from from the links Grogu to Boba in terms of their shared sort of traumatic Clone Wars history. It's it's Grogu's equivalent of, of little Boba holding the helmet. Did you put clones on your bingo card, Bradley? I did put clones on my bingo card. Well, there you go. <laughs> that, Technically, you win, you win as soon as Boba walks on screen. I, you know what? <laughs> oh, oh, that's true. I, well, I wasn't considering him necessarily like in my clone bingo because I was thinking more like when I put it on there anyway, I was thinking more like Rex or like, you know, yeah. an actual clone character, not necessarily Boba. But you're right. I forgot that um, that, that counts on my bingo card. So guess what? This, we did get one this time. I didn't think no. I had anything this episode, but I'm going to count it. So I honestly wish we'd gotten a little bit from Fennec where she sort of in the vein of the let's say they might recognize my face joke right. <clears throat> from Mandalorian because she met the Bad Batch. So I'm curious about like whether at any point she realized that Boba's a clone. 
because I don't know if she's ever she's probably never met an old clone, but just like a you really look like this guy I knew once. <laughs> you look so familiar. You you kind of look similar to this one little girl that I I almost kidnapped <laughs> twenty years ago. No, I know that uh, Jess from RuPaul's Pod Race was doing like a clone watch. So sometimes people will do watches like uh, Jess did Cody watch for the first season of Bad Batch, and Julia from uh, from Star Wars English Vice does a Corky Kenobi watch twenty twenty two. Uh, uh, Calvin Calvin loves that theory. Corky Kenobi, it's canon, and I can prove it. I have graphs. Wow. Um, my most popular TikTok by far is one explaining how Satine could have hidden the pregnancy. But Jess did Clone Watch. I think is like a joke. Like clones <laughs> would never show up in the show, and then they had to turn around and do a TikTok that was like, "Uh, Clone Watch for episode six we did get clones <laughs> they were actually in it uh one they last little... great yeah I'm, I'm about to, to mention actually one really cool fact that i learned i'm actually glad that this recording got pushed so far because i wouldn't have known this apparently those are not digital clones that is amazing so the clones did they hire in, the 501st again i think they hired the 501st again oh. because i saw something on tiktok that was like Somebody from, I think it was the 501st, was talking about how they were real clones and they couldn't say how they were, knew they were real clones, but they were real clones. So unlike, awesome. unlike episode two and three, where they're all digital clones, uh, those clones are actually guys in armor. Looked, I don't like. know. It was so good. They looked, but they looked like the exact way that Revenge of the Sith does the scratches on their armor. Like it was, it was, and I know I that's like the 501st just... whole thing. I thought they were, I couldn't tell. I thought possibly the helmet visors were digital, but that was all I could really tell. I was like, the armor looks really real, but it's tough because I, that was presumably done on the volume, not a Jedi temple set. And it's sort of like distorted because Grogu is remembering it and also was a baby. Literal child. I'm going to, I'm going to put a pen in order 66 and and we're going to jump all the way back to the start of the scene before we get into some of the fun little details that are in the order 66 scene. The planet that they are on is as of present unidentified. Uh, I've seen theories that it could be Agent Kloss, which is the planet from Rise of Skywalker that Luke trains Leia on and that eventually the Resistance will use as a base to strike out at Exegol in the movie. Uh, but there's no confirmation. We know it's the planet that Luke's Jedi school is on because we see it being built. Right. Is, uh, is that planet ever identified in the Rise of Kylo Ren comics? Uh, I do not believe so. Yeah. I do not believe that they identify the location of Luke's Jedi temple That's in the Rise of Kylo Ren. Yeah, so we don't actually know what planet that is. It could be Agent Kloss, but I, I really doubt it. Uh, no, it looks different. I will say I never liked that Agent Kloss was where he trained Leia. I think it should have been this unidentified planet, but uh, it always seemed weird to me in the movie. It's like, why are we why are we here again? I thought it was Endor or Keith Beer, whatever we're calling it, the moon of Endor. I thought it was on the moon of Endor like shortly after return of the jedi but there's a lot about that movie that doesn't make sense to me r2d2 is here 
<laughs> being a dickhead. I love being it. Being a dickhead, which is classic R2. Yeah, uh, honestly, it was a it was a little chopper to me when he just shuts down and wouldn't talk to him. Yeah, he's like, no, 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 no. It's giving Yoda in that um, yeah. he would rather shut off than deal with Mando's bullshit. It's like, yeah, I'm going to sleep now. Bye. I love that the androids um, build him a, a waiting room slash bench for him to like sit on. Like RTG is like, here, just build him like a little bench and then I'll just like go to sleep real quick and then he can just wait. <laughs> RTG2 legend icon. Yeah. I really love the ant droids. Like they're such classic weird Star Wars. I I like that felt very George Lucas that we spent like three minutes watching them build a temple with no dialogue. Like <laughs> it's not, I don't know if it's great storytelling. I, I it probably should have been used on Boba Fett, but I did like appreciate it as like, uh, this is very Star Wars. One thing that you can never take away from Dave Filoni is that Dave Filoni gets Star Wars. Like he fundamentally gets what lucas was doing and not to draw comparisons because i won't but not everybody can like really properly mimic george lucas's style of storytelling and and visual storytelling dave filoni absolutely can mimic george lucas's style while doing new and interesting things with it it's not just a, a parroting of it dave really understands the fundamentals of like how george approached things which is really cool. I also love the androids, personally. Uh, I found the exchange between Mando and R2 very interesting, where Mando's a lot more respectful of R2 than maybe he would be in season one of The Mandalorian. Mm. It shows how far he's come with droids. Yeah, and the uh, the BD droid from last episode, too. Yep. He's, he's, a he's lot treating cooler. pretty much all the droids with respect. If if Mando was mean to the BD unit, I would cease liking Mando as a character. Because <laughs> how dare you? How dare you be mean to a BD unit? How dare you? Looking at you, I thought... one specific character from Fallen Order who I won't spoil. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually think, uh, do you know if Fallen Order is on the Switch? Uh, I do no. not believe it is. No. Okay. Otherwise, Unfortunately. Otherwise, I would have just now. got it. I'd have bullied um, Bradley into playing it by now. Means I have to I have to watch the playthrough for uh whenever when because first steps I think is going to do Fallen Order. Um because Calvin oh. loves it. So we're gonna do an episode on it. Oh cool. Uh my boyfriend who wasn't really familiar with Star Wars, he watched the original trilogy uh when he was a kid and he watched like the Clone Wars movie and he liked it, which I mean, his tastes are kind of warped. He is dating me, but (laughs) I actually started him when I was like, we're going to watch some Star Wars because this has been going on for several months and Star Wars is something that is very important to me. You need to have some passing familiarity with it. I got some blowback from it because I started him with Rebels. I didn't start him with a movie. I started him with Rebels. And people were like, why would you do that? I'm like, because I know what he will like. Yeah, And I know what type of shows he likes. And this show is a type he likes. Works so well that he went out and got Fallen Order just on his own. Yeah. yeah. Rebels, totally on Rebels his own is a good starting point. It. And he loves, like when Saw Gerrera shows up in Fallen Order, he was like, I know who that is. Because we watched <laughs> through Rebels. 
and he looks exactly like he does in Rebels, like he's the bald saw. Yes, the the early days of the Empire saw, but Fallen Order, Bradley, we'll have to bully you into playing it sometime, figure out a way for you to play it because it's such a good game. You know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, by the time the second one comes out that they have ported the first one to the Switch. I just feel I'm like either, they haven't already. Well, I think they may be saving it because, of course, you know, there's always rumors of the Switch 2 is what they're calling it. Um, but which could come either, you know, this year or following year. And if it does, you know, of course, it's going to be enhanced capability. And I think a good thing that they would do would be like hey we got to have a couple really high profile games on the new one um to make it sell better and one of those could be like hey we have we ported fallen order Order. yeah you know so i well they would port fallen order one and then they would have fallen order two just come out for the switch two like it would just be part of the lineup of the different you know platforms that it can come out on so I, i i don't know maybe they just don't have the capability to do it maybe it runs too high i don't know what the specifics are for that but i mean honestly it comes down to just laziness at this point because i think you can pretty much port anything to a switch at this point that's not really like that pretty hard. easily <laughs> they're gonna port i mean they can port anything anywhere they're gonna do a yeah. fucking mobile game for world of warcraft like i don't i don't know speaking of fallen order uh i'm just gonna reiterate my my plea real fast that cameron monahan if if you ever uh, decide to branch out into not being strictly heterosexual, call me. <laughs> oh call me. I promise my boyfriend will not mind. I was going to say, this is this coming right after the section where you said you got your boyfriend into Fallen Order. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure I would get a pass for Cameron Monaghan. Oh, for sure. Fair enough. I do. Uh, he also has a crush what... on Cameron Monaghan, so back to the the sequence we're talking about i i both episodes with mando have made me laugh like the last two episodes i laughed so hard when din got stuck in the metal detector last week uh in tsa and luke luke force like moving grogu along with him to do the walk was so funny i showed it it to my roommate who doesn't watch the show it's just so funny he's just casually eating him and grogu's like all right okay this is a thing we're doing now (laughs) It's because he doesn't walk fast enough. It's hilarious. Like, because we've always talked about how the Mando doesn't really make a lot of sense if Grogu is walking on the ground next to him. Like, it would take hours to, like, get somewhere if he's walking. He's not, like, a dog. Like, he can't, like, keep up with you. So it's, like, hilarious that, like, when Luke is walking with him, he's just like, oh, I'll just jump you up a few spaces. Well, I think it speaks to, one, the difference between... Den's relationship with Grogu and Luke's relationship with Grogu and two I think it speaks a lot to Luke's character and the central conflict that he's undergoing in this episode because Den the implication is he'll either pick Grogu up or he will slow his gait to let Grogu walk alongside him whereas Luke is like Luke has always been a very impatient character like Luke just wants to get to the good part he's very impatient in Empire Yoda attempts to test him on it and he fails and he almost doesn't get trained and Ben has to intervene to try to advocate for Luke to Yoda. Um, He's just, he wants to jump ahead and that's always been a central part of his character. So with Grogu, rather than slow down, Luke's just like, no, I'm going to run you along to keep up with me. I want you to keep up with me. I'm not going to slow down for you. 
and then his frustrations in this episode is like i i need grogu to commit i i need him i can't wait for him to arrive here on his own volition i need to make him choose whether or not to commit to the path of the jedi so i think that while this is funny it also says a lot about luke's character and also the difference between the two relationships yeah and then immediately followed up with the the sort of like i will make you remember your past yeah before we get to that i i have two notes here uh holy shit grogu and holy shit luke skywalker (laughs) oh yeah i guess we should talk about the reveal yeah yeah we should talk about the reveal that luke is not only in this episode but a major part of it and so the CGI is better. I will it is, say that. Yeah, it's a lot better. A lot better. The guy in the mocap is not Bradley's childhood crush, Max Lee Jones, this time. It is a gentleman by the name of Graham Hamilton is actually doing the mocap. I don't like that. Yeah. Sorry, Bradley. Sorry. Well, you got so, to see your boy last episode, though. So then my theory there is that they are making him uh, that separate character or whatever permanently. Yeah, he, he may show up as Lieutenant Reed again. Right. But yeah, it, it's possible they may have cast Max Lloyd Jones just in case they couldn't get the technology working. And now they know they can. They're casting another mocap yeah. actor. But it's a different guy in the mocap. I just want to talk about the voice real fast, yeah. though. Because uh, I have some opinions about it. Did you notice that the voice was a little weird, Bradley? No, honestly. I think no. I was in just shock that I didn't really know. <laughs> it, it definitely, once you watch it with the knowledge of who is voicing Luke Skywalker, you definitely notice the points where it's not that great. And the reason is because Luke Skywalker is being voiced by a computer program. Huh. What they did was they uploaded, it's called a Respoiler, I think is the name of the program. What they did was they uploaded a lot of audio of Mark Hamill and an AI analyzed it uh. and recreated Mark Hamill's voice. Gotcha. So that's Mark Hamill's voice, and he is credited in the episode. But it is not Mark Hamill actually saying the lines. It is a computer AI that learned how Mark Hamill talks, and they plugged in the lines, and it spit them back out. Which... Mm, mm, Strong dislike for me. I don't like that. (laughs) I... Uh, the, the weird thing to me especially is that Mark Hamill is almost as well known. I saw a tweet about this. He's almost as well known as a voice actor as he is a like live action actor. I would believe he can do an impre- a, a good enough impression of his younger self that like yeah. it should be fine. But it just it it made the emotional stuff not land for me in a large part. There's points where there's points where the computer does get the intonation right, and then there's points yeah. where the computer very much does not get the intonation right. And I, I do agree with you. I feel like it's missing some sort of spark in it that an actual human performance would bring. It's like the uncanny valley. It's well and it's, so I thought about Battlefront 2's Luke mission a lot in comparison with this episode 
where he helps Del Miko uh, learn to leave the Empire. And he's played by another actor. He's obviously Mercer. It was Matt Mercer. It was apparently Matt Mercer who voiced. I was as shocked as you because I've been watching Legend of Vox Machina. And uh, I was as shocked as you. I I would need to double check this. Uh, This will be the thing Charles didn't research. Battlefront. What what character does he do in the Vox Machina show? Because I saw the first episode. He's he's the DM of the original Critical Role game. And he plays a bunch of... A bunch of characters, right. A bunch of characters on the Legend of Vox Machina. IMDB, why don't you credit specifically who the voice actors played? What the hell? (laughs) Whatever. I think it was Matt Mercer who did it. The internet is not giving me a coherent answer. Well, so what I was going to say about that, about uh, Battlefront 2, is that I think that is like, that is how you write post-Return of the Jedi Luke. And part of that, in terms of what we're talking about, is that it's okay that it wasn't Mark Hamill the voice was it, it's passable it's it, you can hear like okay that sounds like return of the jedi and there was emotion in the that scene it's a really good luke story and as like awesome as it is to see fucking luke skywalker on screen with grogu after i just assumed he was going to walk off mandalorian and we'd never see luke again again if we saw no, grogu it's a whole arc here like he has a whole character arc in this episode yeah. my thing is you I'm, I'm okay with sort of the digitally masking people because there's still an actor under there there's well, still mark a... hamill is also still alive he's mark... agreed to it yes uh the thing with i bring up the example of tarkin with when they did tarkin and rogue one tarkin and rogue one that's peter cushing's face mapped onto another actor but that was done with the full consent of Peter Cushing's family and the involvement of his family. And the voice is being provided by someone else. I don't know if it's the actor that's playing him. I think, or, I think it is the actor. I think it's the actor that's playing him. I'm not yeah, sure if it's yeah. him or Stephen Stanton. I know Stephen Stanton's it's, in the movie. But, it's not Stephen Stanton. Okay, it's I'm not Stephen sure. Stanton. Although Stephen Stanton's Tarkin is perfect. <laughs> I have concerns about the notion that if an actor has a large body of vocal work, that you can put them into a computer and have it spit out their performance. It loses something to me that having humans involved in the process, humans and technology working together brings. Yeah. It's I'm like not wild about I it. I feel like I feel like the volume is very Lucasfilm. Like that's pushing the frontier forward of filmmaking. And this is uh, just a little weird. (laughs) It's not, it's not the same way that ILM, like ILM twice reinvented filmmaking. And this just seems a little like, uh, should we, should we be doing this? Matthew, would you know better than this? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I get the impulse to see like, okay, let's try what the hell let's see if we can do it. But I've, if they're ever going to, they're gonna have luke be in stuff i'd rather they just get somebody who can do a mark hamill or mark hamill yeah mark hamill's still alive like he he voiced luke in the finale of mandalorian like you can get mark hamill to do it there's another uh kathleen kennedy produced john williams scoring laura (laughs) during starring movie uh that perhaps 
people should watch, uh, with the central thesis being uh, maybe just because you can do something doesn't mean you maybe should do that thing. A couple of minor notes before we get into the Order 66 sequence. Um, Luke does a little like head tilt when he says Grogu. Uh, that was just very Leia Organa to me. Uh, I love that choice on Graham Hamilton's part to do that little head tilt. Uh, it also well, felt very like Luke talking to R2 when he gets, when R2's being a little finicky. Like that, that was one of the moments where I believed it was Luke Skywalker, like fully. Uh, Luke telling Grogu about Yoda while the Yoda theme plays in the background is everything to me. Like just everything. Like I listened and the second time I walked through, I went, that's the fucking Empire Strikes Back music when he's talking about Yoda. Speaking of Yoda, okay, let's let's dive into some of the little details of Order 66. Uh, we've already talked about the clones. Those are, of course, the 501st Legion clones, the blue planet clones, which are Vader's fist. Um, Man, Andy's going to be so sad about this. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy has to keep reliving it too, because it's yeah, that's, gonna well, come that's, up in Bad Batch. It's gonna come up in Rebels. It's gonna yeah, come they're up gonna in... watch. They're gonna watch Order sixty six and Revenge of the Sith, the Clone Wars, Bad Batch, Fallen Order, Rebels. Like <laughs> <laughs> and now, Boca Boba. Like yeah, I feel like it's my experience right now. So we're in the middle of Wave Three of the High Republic, and. This is a minor spoiler because it's all over the promotion. You can literally not escape this. Phase one of the High Republic centers around um, something called Starlight Beacon, which is a large space station the Republic builds. And it blows up and crashes in. I was trying to mime Starlight Beacon falling Uh, from the uh, promo art badly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all over. um, The thing is... Basically, all of the events of this incredibly traumatizing moment where many characters die, uh, all of the different runs are culminating in this one moment, but they keep, like, they're not coming out at the same time. So I keep having to relive Starlight Beacon Crash in The Fallen Star and Midnight Horizon and in The High Republic number 15. And now I'm going to have to watch it in Trail of Shadows and Hired by Public Adventures number 13. I'm going to have to experience this station crash five times by the time this is over. And I feel like that's going to be Andy with Order 66. Yep. Agreed. There has been debate on whether or not that is Sindralig in, uh, that's defending Grogu that dies, which is the... I didn't Jedi- think so. Battlemaster portrayed by Nick Gillard, in uh, who is the stunt fight coordinator oh, for the prequels. That. Yeah, Nick Gillard, who was a fight coordinator or fight choreographer for the prequels, yeah. uh, he played Cinderella. That's his cameo in Revenge of the Sith. Now, I checked the uh, the actual film Revenge of the Sith, and we do never see Cinderella actually die in that movie. Vader kills the two Padawans and we hear what is implied to be him killing Drellig, but we never actually see it. However, when I pointed this out on Twitter, someone else responded with a reference book does confirm that Drellig died. So this is not Drellig. This is just someone with his similar hairstyle. 
yeah i figured that sort of a lot a lot of jedi have that long They'll hair yeah qui-gon has it it's, yeah it's the same thing what's more interesting is that there's a symbol painted on like the door to the room where grogu is and we've only seen that symbol one other place barris afi's room yeah calvin and i talked about this uh because i also saw that on twitter <laughs> and at the end of the wrong jedi we only see her taken out by the jedi sentinels after her confession they're the jedi uh, temple guards and it's imp- uh, like calvin and i were discussing whether she would have ended up in republic custody or jedi custody uh, because ahsoka was kicked out of the order and put on trial in the republic and so we i think it's plausible that if she was in jedi custody they just might have kept her in the temple i believe that it's it's highly possible that boba fett was the one that saved grogu and that's going to be the point of the order 66 yeah there's a there's a fan theory whoa that would be i had not thought of that there's a fan theory so we know that palpatine is kidnapping force sensitive children Right. And we know that Palpatine wants for sensitive children. And Palpatine somehow probably also knows about Grogu. So there's a fan theory that the reason all this is going to tie into Boba Fett's story is that he hired Boba Fett to go in and kidnap Grogu. And that was how Grogu escaped from the temple. And for some reason, Grogu didn't end up making it back to Palpatine. Well, that would be interesting too, because Palpatine... Even though he was like, he had his master plan, he didn't know exactly when Order 66 would happen. So I think it would be kind of funny if he'd unrelatedly hired Boba Fett and it sort of just happened to be a day. He's like, okay, I got Anakin. Let's do it. We're doing the plan, boys. Let's let's take over the galaxy. Doesn't tell Boba Fett. So Boba just rocks up to the temple <laughs> mid-fire. Like, right. what? I, I appear to have missed something. Yeah, but I was going to say that another theory, which... I, I quite like is that Grogu was saved by Barisafi. Yes, I could. Uh, so Dave has been lying about having a plan for Barisafi since the season finale. <laughs> and I'm curious if this is where he's actually going to do it huh. or in the Ahsoka show. Yeah, I was thinking, well, it makes sense if he introduces her in this as like kind of a backdoor, like we love a good backdoor pilot on these shows. We love um, a good, we love a good backdoor. So I would I hate think backdoor pilots. It would, <laughs> it would be funny if she did show up in a flashback or something and then relate her to Grogu that way, thus tying her into the Ahsoka show. Like, Hey, she's still around doing something and she has to somehow either help Ahsoka or hurt Ahsoka in her show. Next up, Din is napping on his bamboo bench when he is startled by Ahsoka Tano. He asks to see the kid, but Ahsoka tells him it's probably not a great idea. Din leaves his gift behind with Ahsoka to give to Grogu. Grogu continues his training with Luke, with multiple references to the other movies, and Ahsoka and Luke share some screen time as he asks for her advice. I am going to once again reiterate my plea to our audience that uh, please go and listen to the trans and non-binary people who are uncomfortable with the casting of Rosario Dawson. We don't cover that really here at all because we we try to avoid outside stuff, particularly groups that Bradley and I are not a part of. 
But the last time she was here, I asked people to go and check out some other podcasts with trans and non-binary hosts. I am going to reiterate that same plea because as much as I think she's a good actress and as much as check I... Check out First Steps. We have non-binary hosts. <laughs> check out First Steps. That's one of the ones that I linked. Uh, Rupout's Pod Race and Force Friends Rewatch. Andy was also on our show a few episodes ago. As much as I enjoy her performance as Ahsoka, it does affect people that this particular choice of casting. And it's important to listen to those people and the concerns that they have had about this casting. Yeah. I mean, that's basically, I mean, that's, I was, I liked this, <laughs> even though I do prefer Ahsoka as an animated character. I, this scene, this, her involvement in this episode was, I think better than in Mandalorian season two. Uh, I, it, I thought her, like she'd, uh, Rosario had settled into the character more, but I'm not excited for the Ahsoka show. And I am not, it, it, it colors this episode for me. And it's just, it's so, it's so disappointing. This and this and Cara Dune, it's just a, it's a bad taste in my mouth for this era of Star Wars and for two characters that, and Ahsoka, one of the most prominent characters in the franchise and like she's she is Star Wars for for a generation of people. I'm just so disappointed that it ended up being this way. And it's a complicated situation and it sucks. I'm not trans or non-binary myself, but my partner is my co-hosts are a lot of my friends are. And I do not. It's not a fun thing to have be reminded of every time one of the my I, in my opinion, the best characters in Star Wars is on screen. Also, the Rebels follow-up should have been animated. I will never shut up about that. Yeah, I I do agree with people who say that it should have been animated. I am some. I get that Dave Filoni wants give me to do Ashley action. Eckstein and Meredith Salinger as Barris. Like, if you're going to do that, give me Tia Surkar as Sabine. Yeah, and I I like the live action stuff, and I like when animated characters make the jump over and vice versa. It's fun. To like our see, boy later but... in the episode. But the animation side of things is just as important as anything else. It is, you know, I, I admit I was shocked when Ahsoka Tano showed up in this episode. I did like, see, so was, like we needed so one more cameo. And we're not even done with cameos. We're continuing. I know. Well, they're not even, the cool bit I think is that that makes it work for me in a way that I've seen it didn't work for others is that they weren't cameos. They had like genu genuinely big roles in the story. I can't, I'm trying to remember what Ahsoka's blind. Well, aside from old friend of the family, which is hilarious. She had the quirky side of Ahsoka that Rebels does really well. Like older, wiser Ahsoka, but Ahsoka still like has fun and is a character who smiles. And I saw that here in a way I didn't see in uh, The Jedi. Her interactions with R2-D2, I think the way that Dawson plays that particular moment was very good for me where the, the little interaction she has a little mischievous interaction she has with r2d2 where if you look back she's doing very similar hand motions uh with r2 to how the animators did it in the clone wars and like we don't think about the friendship between ahsoka tano and r2d2 as much as we think about ahsoka and anakin or ahsoka and you know obi-wan but that was a very important relationship as well. So for them to interact is awesome. Uh, I also love that R2 is a little bitch who's like, oh, you're here to see Luke? Yeah, I'll totally take you to Luke. 
hey, Ahsoka, hey, the dad's here. I need you to stop him. It is an interesting thing, though. Uh, I I don't know. It's 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 funny that Ahsoka's with Luke. I, I assume she could sort of sense in the force that Luke and Grogu had been u- reunited. I was thinking about how her backdoor pilot in Mandalorian sort of implied that she'd be off doing things uh, and not really Jedi related. And I think it's really interesting that because of Grogu, she went to see Luke. Yeah, I I also was somewhat confused why she was here because she kind of talks to Luke and she's like, oh, I got to go off and do the Ahsoka show now. Have fun doing your episode. Like, them interacting is everything to me. Like, I love the fact that we got to see Ahsoka Tano interact with Luke Skywalker on screen. Even if she was just like, I'm going to fuck off now. Well, and we didn't, I just like, I, it wasn't the play, like we've discussed before. It's not the place in the Boba Fett show to have that wish fulfillment Ahsoka and Luke scene, but we have an Ahsoka and Luke scene and we barely saw them talk about their like shared history. Like I, I, they, there was just like, she calls him so much like your dad. And I just, I wanted to see more depth. And that's why I want, like, give me an actor playing Luke Skywalker so we can have Ahsoka tells Luke about Anakin. Yeah. Like give, give me the Ahsoka version of Obi-Wan's speech about Anakin from the very, very original movie. And like, that's, that's really what I wanted. And we were so close. Yeah. I'm definitely in the camp of, uh, let Max Lloyd Jones just be Luke Skywalker because at this point, like I I will say like Solo is probably one of my favorite movies um, out of all of them because it's just fun like and they don't care about like oh this is not Harrison Ford this is you know what I mean it's not like you don't have to worry about that you can literally take that out of your brain and just go no this is Han Solo this is not Harrison Ford and yeah, my I, my hot I like it sorry my hot take is they learned all the wrong lessons from Solo. But that's what I think what they should do, though, is like Charles has said this before, and it's like, stop being afraid of letting other people play the characters and just do it. Like, just if, let them play them. If the characters are so iconic that we immediately can recognize them, then you need to divorce them from the actors that have been playing them up to this point if you want to keep having people play them. Yeah, well, in Mandalorian season two, you could have never lowered Luke's hood and we would have known who he was. Like that whole sequence works on sort of like you see his belt, his saber, his like his Chanel boots. And like that's that's how you know it's Luke Skywalker that the iconic character design from Return of the Jedi and his like that's how (laughs) we already knew. And then it's cool to see him take the head down and he looks like Luke Skywalker. But if he's... It's just a weird, I'm, I'm curious where they're going with it. What is this like? Cause it all hinges on what choice Grogu is going to make. If Grogu chooses Din, we probably don't get as much Luke Skywalker. The folks at Lucasfilm have time to figure out what they're doing. But if Grogu chooses the Jedi, we're probably going to see more Luke. Ahsoka Din directly asks her a question about a plot hole that the Mandalorian creates when he's like, uh, why are you fine with Luke training Grogu, uh, but you wouldn't do it? Which I had in my notes here. Oh no, we have to fix a plot hole in Star Wars. That's never happened before. <laughs> my deep sarcasm about the reason the entire Dagobah sequence on Return of the Jedi exists is literally to fix a bunch of plot holes that uh, 
Empire Strikes Back created for A New Hope. That's the only reason that scene exists. And Star Wars is doing this all the time where it just makes shit up as it goes along. And then it has to go back and be like, uh, actually, this was retroactively justified um, because I didn't technically uh, say that your dad and Vader were two separate entities. I said Vader killed your dad. And technically, when he became Darth Vader, that killed your dad. So I actually wasn't lying to you. Um, <laughs> it did. It was a formative scene in Star Wars, though, is that it, it established troll Obi-Wan, which has brought us great content over the years. That is true. So this is deeply in that vein of uh, we got to include a conversation now to explain the plot choice that we made earlier on and why it doesn't make sense. Uh, it it does, does actually make sense, guys. Uh, we just have to explain it somehow. It is funny, though, just because of Din's complete lack of knowledge about the Jedi, which is just such a good through line is that he's so confused by everything about the Jedi. He's like he, wa- he wants his son to do well so bad, has no clue what's going on. Yeah, and this is the whole point. People were criticizing Ahsoka for being like, are, are you sure you want to see him? And I think part of it is Ahsoka understands to a degree that at this particular stage in the training, Grogu needs to focus. It's the thing of your parent has let you go off to kindergarten. I actually was reading a thing online where somebody had said something to the effect of, teachers like kindergarten teachers will actually bar parents from coming in the first day and the reason being is that the kids need to learn how to not be reliant on their parents constantly being around yeah i love ahsoka's line of like are you doing it for grogu are you doing it for yourself and the conclusion den kind of reaches is that well yeah maybe i was sort of doing it for myself Maybe I need to let Grogu make his own choice. And that's sort of a central underlying theme of the episode is Grogu making his own choice. Yeah, I have no no complaints about Ahsoka's. Like I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of her sort of reversion to the attachments thing in The Mandalorian. But in this, she's right. She's right about everything she says to Din. I like, I liked it. I thought it was a good like sort of establishing because she's met Din with Grogu and now she's seeing Din without Grogu. She like, she clocks him immediately what's going on um honestly my my complaints about the attachment thing are all luke focused which we've said before that luke is cosplaying as a jedi he doesn't understand what being a jedi actually is i think it's interesting the way that luke trains grogu in this episode his first student versus the way he's going to train ray in the sequel trilogy as his last student and the way he's so invested in Grogu trying to push Grogu like forward. Whereas with Ray, he's like, I don't want to be here. Why are you bothering me? And like, like I will train you. I'll train like he he tells her like, this is why the Jedi were wrong. This is why the Jedi need to end. And in doing that makes her a true Jedi, which is one of the most fascinating things about Last Jedi, a movie that I will say I love. I am a I am a Last Jedi fan. Um, it's not perfect, but it's also Star Wars and nothing in Star Wars is perfect. It's, it's goofy and silly and fake in its face. Um, and I like, I actually, honestly, that comparison you're drawing makes me like the Luke stuff more. And I don't often have this problem, 
uh, where it's hard to let go of legend stories. Uh, I'm pretty open to the fact that canon is doing new things and there's going to be new takes on characters, especially in the post-Return of the Jedi era. But I really like that Legends Luke redefined the Jedi. He taught like a new Jedi, a real new Jedi order. And I think it works. It ended up sort of working nicely accidentally when the prequels came out, which are all about how the old order was brought down from within by its own failings. So to see Luke sort of who is the like represents the bright new hope of the galaxy do the old order again. I know it's like part of his character flaw that leads to the, to the downfall of Ben and why he goes into exile. It just sort of makes me a little, it's just not what I wanted. And I, I know that I have to sort of get over that because I, I, you don't always get what you want in the stories, but I, I just, ah, hearing Luke say like the, the attachment thing really felt antithetical to the end of Return of the Jedi. Did either of y'all catch Luke and Grogu doing the fist bump? No. That's awesome. I didn't. They do a little fist bump. When Den is looking for it, Luke like fist bumps Grogu. It's very cute. Tons of Empire Strikes Back references here. Uh, Luke tells Grogu, don't try Dill. They have the same backpack. Luke does the same little flips from the trading montage. Uh, It is very cool to see luke uh doing drills with his lightsaber that was a lot of fun uh and then my final note for this sequence is that i love the line get back up always get back up very spider-man very very like it is nice to see luke training grogu and by proxy a new generation of children in the same way that yoda trained you know the generation of children that grew up in the 80s and, yep, and prequels as well and it's and yoda does like sort of it's, it's because the movies were made before but like yoda doesn't train luke in the style of the old jedi specifically like luke yoda doesn't train him that we know of in like the rules of the jedi he trains him in the spirit of the jedi there's some misguidedness with him and obi-wan thinking there's only one way to win the war but i love that as well with the with the acrobatics of it all and grogu doing the little jumps it it was it was very cute it was it was good uh my actual final note for this sequence uh i do think it's nice to see with the sort of the point of the order 66 stuff and it like unlocking sort of grogu's memories luke has his line about it's not so much that i'm training him as he's remembering things i think the overall point of the sequence the reason the order 66 stuff needed to happen the reason that Luke is kind of training Grogu is he's trying to make sure that he has control, at least a base level of control over his ability. So he doesn't, for example, choke out somebody who's arm wrestling Mando or do something that he can't control with his abilities. And I do think it is cool to see that, that training sequence. I do think it's cool that it's Luke that's doing it. Up next, Mando finally heads to Tatooine to Boba's palace after the episode is already half over, um, Boba assembles his muscle and Mando knows a place where he can get some foot soldiers in the upcoming war. He heads to Mos Pelgo, now named Freetown, to meet with Cobb Manth, who has a jealous boyfriend, I mean deputy, 
And Mando tries to convince Cobb to speak to the people to help them to join the war. Mando leaves and Cobb notices a blue stranger walking into town who leaves with a warning. <laughs> so there's a really fun cameo in this sequence in uh, Boba Fett's palace on Tatooine. If you look really closely uh, at the briefing room scene, uh, standing at the table with everyone else is a, a gentleman uh, in green armor. That is Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it's, it's a surprise cameo for him to show up in this show. Never would have uh, thought. I'm forgetting the name of it off the top of my head, but uh, yes, Boba Fett is in this sequence. This is the show we're watching. And I forget, does he even speak in this scene? He does not speak. <laughs> he does it's... not. Which, the the joke that I've seen online that I love is people are like, oh, the Mandalorian. <laughs> Fuck me, I just said the Mandalorian again. Fuck me, oh my God. I literally did this. Bradley and I recorded the, the one year anniversary special yesterday and we were talking before and after. And I literally called it the Mandalorian in well, dead seriousness. And honestly, accident. I would not be surprised with the COVID delays that maybe this was the Mandalorian. Maybe the Book of Boba Fett, like it, it, it's so ingrained in both like the pandemic happening right as Mandalorian season two right. ends and also uh, the production of both season three. And I do think they always intended to do a Boba Fett spinoff, but it's got to have been a mess to have ended up like this. I think they pulled it off in terms of like the content is good, but it's a weird watching experience. Yeah. I think they, I think they might've at like extended book of Boba, like made it two episodes extra than it actually needed to be. Because I think that's the, that's the conspiracy theory I have is that, you know, the, the whole Mandalorian episode. And then this, the first half of this episode with Ahsoka and Luke all of that is the pilot of Mando season three. That's the first episode. And then now they're trying to squeeze in the rest. And I think you're right. I think it had to do with COVID and like, you know, everything with production, like maybe Mando three got pushed back. And so like they had finished the first two episodes, but now they know that the third season's not going to come till much later for obvious reasons. Yeah. And that's why they introduced it in this show. They're filming it now. It briefly was shut down due to Omicron. Uh, but I checked the Omicron, like the COVID numbers last night, and they're plummeting. So they yep. should have resumed filming by now, which is good. I was, I was going to say that there's complaints that in the book of Boba Fett, uh, they were like radically changing Boba Fett's character from the original character he had. And uh, Dave Filoni was like, Oh, you want to see the Boba Fett original character? He's in it for six seconds and doesn't speak. Right. He stands there, there and looks cool. That's I it. did want to make a, a quick comparison that I thought of this week that I think uh, is like the only other time I can remember a show doing a really popular show doing this and getting this much backlash um, was Stranger Things season two. Uh, I don't know. Have you guys watched Stranger Things? Uh, I have watched Stranger Things seasons one and two. I did not watch season three. So the episode where Eleven goes and meets her like quote unquote sister ah, in Chicago pilot. For <laughs> and so but like I remember talking with I think my sister and my friends at the time that because I liked that episode. I thought it was good, but it does absolutely stop the story in its tracks to do another thing. Yeah. And 
I think that I would have liked it that episode if they had spread that episode out throughout the season, had it been an ongoing plot line of right. like, okay, here's, here's, we, we, instead of taking an episode or two off from 11, we see her going through this intercut with the main story. And honestly, I, I don't know about the, I don't know about the Gluk and Grogu and Ahsoka stuff. That's just basically literally on another planet, but the Din stuff, I would have liked to have seen him earlier, maybe that it would have felt a little more organic to be like, okay, we're checking in. And if the, I think the thematic link between Din and Boba looking for belonging and like the loyalty theme that's running through both of them, like who are they loyal to? I think it would have landed better if they had introduced Din a little bit earlier. Yeah, I... I'm not really sure how they could have pulled it off because I, I kind of like that they shoved yeah. it all into one episode because I assumed we were going to go back to Boba. Uh, that Agreed. obviously didn't happen, uh, which is kind of weird to me. I do like that this scene kind of catches us up to like what everybody else in the main show has been doing. Agreed. Like the mods are there and we know what they're doing. Black Crescenton is there and and we know what he's been doing uh not me which i feel like he should be uh, i've just fully embraced this now i've just fully leaned into it oh, uh, but i like that that everybody's there and we sort of know david pascassi uh shows up and gets to do a fun little line and i'm like oh yeah we were watching this show right this was happening okay well, it's, it's it's just funny because like i uh in preparation for like i before last week's episode i was but i was thinking about okay okay what's going to be going on in book of boba when i go on gold squadron and like all of my questions that i have i'm worried aren't going to be answered but i have like 15 new questions right like what the hell is going on being main one but like (laughs) a valid question for this show I like all my tattooing questions are sort of shoved to the side i still want the damn tuscan raiders back um (laughs) I hope I was hoping that they would figure prominently in the finale and they might. I hope I was hoping that this show would end in something radically changing on Tatooine. I'm worried we're not going to get that now. And I still hope we do. I I almost have to wonder because I don't think it's a limited series. I think they're intending to set it up as a, a multi-season show. But, but it's so weird. They talked about it being a limited series. I feel like like everyone thinks it is. And I feel like we didn't just come up with that out of nowhere. Yeah, Kenobi is. Kenobi's a limited yes, series. Right. But I'm not sure. There I think is because well, I was gonna say, I think because of the whole Rangers show thing getting canceled and all that stuff that happened, like they kind of changed the format of how we want this kind of Avengers level event to go with our shows. And I think that that ex- maybe extended this show farther than its lifespan would have been. They were like, hey, by the way. Let's just make a second season to Book of Boba for no reason whatsoever, because possibly things that happen in Bad Batch 2 will hopefully come to fruition later on in Book of Boba. That's my hope. I did. I was Googling that and it is not advertised as a limited series, but people, I think, just assumed it was because it was a spinoff of Mandalorian telling like what it what seemed to be from the marketing like, okay, this is how Boba takes over Tatooine. He takes over tattooing by calling it Mandalorian. Which is fine. And I like that. And they are friends. They do know each other. Like Din owes Boba a massive favor. 
Yeah, and he doesn't take money for doing this, which yeah. is a din thing. That's why, he's always, that's why he's always fucking broke. There's a wonderful conversation. The base vanilla game of Star Wars The Old Republic was some incredible Star Wars storytelling. I feel like the game has gone off the rails a lot, particularly in the game aspect. It's why I don't play it anymore. But there's an incredible conversation if you play a light side smuggler and you're always like doing the right thing, you never make any money. <laughs> and you actually get confronted by one of your crewmates about this at one point who's like, hey, so what's your plan here to actually make money? Because it feels like every job we do, you're always like, keep the credits. <laughs> and our ship is busted constantly, maybe because you keep turning down rewards. I will say I do miss the Razor Crest. That that the, when he flew it tied together with actual string is uh, one of my favorite nonsense Star Wars moments. There is a fun, there is a an actual fun little reference in this sequence. Uh, when Den is introduced, he does a little head nod. This is yeah. a reference to Return of the Jedi and Boba Fett's little head nod. The Bosch. Uh, I don't think Boba stand, or Den is standing in the same place as Boba. I would have to. No, it's the other side of the room. I but think. But it's the other side of the room. But it is a tiny little nod to Return of the Jedi. I also will say I like that uh, Fennec says his name. I it drives me nuts when people just call him the Mandalorian. Um, I wish Luke didn't. I'll be honest. I like I like that. Well, because Luke Luke is the kind of character who learns everyone's name. And I, I am a little disappointed that the marketing speak is still going with the Mandalorian. Um, I did. It did used to crack me up when I was watching, especially Mandalorian season one. Subtitles have the child in capital like the is capitalized whenever the child Grogu is referred to. And so I liked hearing whether the actor would deliver the capital would like say the child or whether it just be like, oh, here's a child. There is uh yeah, they really wanted to make the child a thing. And uh, no, baby Yoda took over because the internet's going to yeah. yeah. It's so uh, funny that it's, it's funny that like he was such a success in like marketing and yet their marketing of him was such a spectacular failure. It, it will never not be funny to me that there was backlash that there was not like merchandise for the child available because that's how most leaks happen. Bradley, you're constantly sending me Funko Pop leaks that yeah, happened. That, that, and like Kylo Ren's yeah. face was revealed in a Lego set that got leaked early. So they didn't do anything. I have a Lego Grogu now. <laughs> I do think but... it's funny that I remember the Kylo Ren face thing because in the movie, he takes his helmet off and it's like, oh, holy shit, it's Adam Driver, the actor who's playing the character. Right. <laughs> I, th I think they were trying to go for it. Oh, how deformed is he and he's not at all which yeah. is the point but like that was revealed in a Maz Ganata castle Lego set. I actually have that Speaking, in this room uh, I also have it in this room I'm looking at it right now across the room. Uh, I actually have been meaning to move it because I had the figures like some sequel trilogy figures up with it but I, uh, I took them down because they kept falling over uh, Speaking of Lego sets I, was I would like I I love the Jawa sandcrawler with the crate dragon attached to yeah. it. Such a good rand, like sort of Star Wars moment. Cause it, 
<laughs> I love when Star Wars introduces the coolest thing ever. It's gone in five seconds. So a couple of notes on the actors. We're going to learn about a few actors in this sequence. Uh, the deputy is portrayed by a gentleman named J.J. Dashnall. He's a big uh, stunt coordinator, or at least he's credited as the deputy, as Deputy Scott. Uh, deputy Scott is his deputy name? Deputy Scott is, uh. is the name on IMDb now. <laughs> now, again, thank you, Pablo Hidalgo. IMDb is not always reliable because it is not filled out by the official production themselves. But he's a big stunt coordinator. He's been a stunt Cobb coordinator man. a lot of things. And his boy, Scott. <laughs> his boy, Scott. Scott is also a super gay name. Scotty. I'm surprised he didn't call Scott him. Scott like is also Scotty. dead as hell. He's so dead. Yeah. yeah. But he's the stunt coordinator on chapters one, two, three, and seven of the Book of Boba Fett. Okay. Uh, he's been a stunt coordinator cool. on a lot of different things. Um, came back from the dead to work on the finale good for him he's been an he's he showed up in a few things but it looks like mainly he's a stunt coordinator the weekway bartender is portrayed by a gentleman named w earl brown and w earl brown is most notable to our for our purposes for being in deadwood as uh, dan doherty hmm. So he, like Timothy Oliphant, was also in Deadwood. Uh, but he's been in a lot. He's been in, uh, he's got 134 acting credits on IMDb. He's a big TV actor. He's been doing this a long time. Uh, I, my uh, next note literally is this is gay. So <laughs> this is the level of research to do. Here's all this research on the character. Also, this is fucking also, gay this as is hell. Homosexual. I. I did love the uh, the aftermath nod with Freetown. Uh, yeah, let's let's talk about that. So, Freetown renaming Mos Pelgo Freetown is another connection to the aftermath books. And on a slightly serious note, I do agree with Chuck Windig. I think it's bullshit that he was not at least thanked in the credits of this episode for creating Cobb Vanth and Mos Pelgo. At least give him a special thanks. You don't have to say. Characters created by whoever because it's a broad universe. They right. don't credit everybody. But at least putting his name in the credits as a special thanks for being the one to create this, I feel would have been a nice nod to him, particularly since they're doing a lot with Aftermath. And yeah. what happened between him and, and Disney was kind of bullshit. Yes. Chuck Wendig has sort of had his ups and downs with Star Wars over the years and his his standing in the fandom has gone up and down i fall on the side that the aftermath books are pretty all right they're neat um i kind of wish that they had held off that story until i know they were like promoting force awakens really heavily but uh i kind of wish that they had not done that in book form uh but i did like the story that we got and the characters that chuck introduced and the the interludes were the coolest thing I think he did. For me, the the presence of Sindra Rathvelis, who is a a gay man who is a main character yep. in the books, who is allowed to be gay on screen and do gay things front and center, like his boyfriend slash future husband is an actual character that pops up a few times and Sindra like gets an actual arc. Yeah. To me, that's something comes up that was very important. I remember when, when, sorry. 
I talked over you. Um, That's but okay. I, was, I was really excited when Condor showed up in Last Shot. I remember reading Last oh, Shot, and I haven't read Last Shot yet. I haven't I read think, Last Shot yet. Oh, I didn't sorry. Know Condor showed up in it. Oh my I'm god! Sorry, homosexuals present. Thing. Yay! Well, I mean, it's Daniel Jose older, so homosexuals. In some yeah, form, and there's a non, non-binary main character as well, I believe. Oh, love it, love it, Daniel. Yeah, Daniel's one of the good ones. Yeah. But well, and and so's Chuck. Sinjir walked, so all of Daniel and uh, uh, and Doctor Afra and all these all these characters could run. The, the, yeah, uh, it was it was one of the first big moments, and a lot of people, Andy from Force Friends, who was just on the show last week, loves Aftermath, and part of it is because Aftermath is such a good job of introducing more queer characters in. There's the lesbian ants in the first Aftermath book. Uh, there's Sindra, who is a main character. My mom's and, are the lesbian ants, <laughs> and the reveal of uh, the reveal that Sindra is gay, one of the funniest fucking moments i i won't spoil it for bradley when he eventually gets there but the actual reveal of how they reveal it is unbelievable but i do think they should have at least thanked chuck windig in the credits yeah. um but it is nice to see aftermath getting love after people kind of ignored it for so long because it was sort of contentious yeah. Well, and it was such a, but it was like such a huge thing in canon for a brief period of time but then other stories have like come in that same era uh, primarily the mandalorian with all these like with that have become more popular but uh i i still really like the concepts that aftermath introduced and i i enjoy that it's the uh it's the foundation for a lot of this era's new it it, it defined how the new republic era was going to go in canon and i like that and i like i like how they're doing it and um it's yeah, they either should have either put him in the credits or sent him a nice chunk of change. Yeah, and and I feel like, too, it's almost an homage to the writing, just how fucking gay this sequence is. This is extremely gay, right? Like, can I buy you a drink? That big smile lets you get away. That's a homosexual <laughs> right there. Uh. I mean, I, I don't know if it's implied or anything. I, I just like my canon in my head. I love the idea that like his quote unquote first deputy is his boyfriend. Like just a, just jokingly, like it's just in my head. It's just like a funny like little thing. And then complete, he's complete on the side. Nepotism. Right. Yeah. He's just like, oh, the only reason why I hired you is because I thought you were cute kind of thing. And then I mean, it's clearly he's he, not very good at his job. Yeah. He, 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 he doesn't listen to him and then he gets shot by uh right our boy cad bane from I the know. desert comes a stranger the title finally, of the episode finally uh, we get to the title cad bane just walks out in like full wild west regalia like the shots are like classic i want to like recut this scene with the music from bad batch and then it would be like it would be the mm. the most western star wars can get uh, unbelievable five minutes of television right here. The standoff between Cobb Pant. Yeah. This this is why you hired Timothy Oliphant is right. to do this exact sequence. It is to and do the Deadwood sequence, and it's still related to Boba Fett. Like we're now finally back in the Boba right. Fett show. Like this is this has like really huge implications for the finale. Like Cad Bane being there is not. You're just not gonna they. They're bringing in the muscle, the Pikes right. are. 
Yeah, they brought in, like, I was shocked, A, he's still alive. Uh, B, he looks like he's old, but he's holding together. I do love, I will <laughs> he say- He looks like he's was, rubber. <laughs> well, the original Duras mask was rubber. Yeah, I know. I will say on that note, I do really love the design of Cad Bane in live action. Yeah. Uh, there's controversy- better than Ahsoka. I am now gonna I am now gonna go off on my tangent about how much clickbait sites suck ass yep. and can die in a fucking fire because someone uh a channel called Cinematic Captures who I'm gonna plug because I really do love Cinematic Captures work uh they did the Anakin and Obi-Wan scene from the Crystal Crisis arc and it's really good they do like visual effects oh cool animated okay, short cool. films uh, maybe awesome. I can talk I can talk Calvin out of having us watch the story reels, which is just going to hurt my eyes if they fully animated that one scene with Anakin and Obi-Wan about Ahsoka. One scene in like, Sick. it looks like, it's really good. Go look it up. But awesome. They did a fun <laughs> little, here's what Cad Bane would look like if they did him in the Clone Wars style. Uh, and Screen Rant wrote an article of it and their headline was, Star Wars fan fixes Cad Bane's face. And I just want to say, I, I avoid going ham on a lot of outlets that I hate on this show, but I just want to say directly, fuck you, Screen Rant, for doing that. <laughs> that was bullshit that you did. It was stirring up unnecessary fucking arguing on the internet. And what they, the backlash on cinematic captures was fucking bullshit. Like, I thought cinematic captures, the way that they handled it on Twitter was really good where they were kind of pushing back against this and, and trying to be clear that they had done this for fun. And they released another one where they like kept moving the Cad Bane proportions to be ridiculous, but screen rent, fuck you for doing that. Like, yeah, honestly, I don't like my favorite Cad Bane. My favorite Cad Bane edits are when you make his hat like really ridiculously wide. <laughs> yeah, his hat keeps getting smaller in every iteration of him. Which is funny it's because he has a level waning. He has a smaller hat in Clone Wars for a bit, and then he shoots a guy to get his bigger hat back. So he like he clearly prefers the wide brim. Yeah, Cad Bane here. Uh, speaking of Clone Wars, thank you, Wyatt, for segueing me into this. Uh, Cad Bane is being voiced by Corey Burton, who portrayed Cad Bane in both the Clone Wars and. Um, the Bad Batch. So that is the same gentleman from Clone Wars providing his voice. The crazy bit about that, though, is that for both, like, up until his last lines, I couldn't tell. It felt like they had changed his vocal effect a little bit with, like, the, the I don't know what they do to his voice, but they have, like, a filter on it that makes him sound a little, like, synthesized, and I think they toned it down a little, because uh, I was, I, we just saw him in Bad Batch, and he sounds exactly like he did in Clone Wars, and so, but I was thinking, I'm like, is this Corey Burton? It's Corey Burton. Cor yeah. and then I, I had, I did Burton. have the, the, the kind of crazy thought. Cause I was, I was like, is it, is Corey Burton in the suit doing the voice? But no, Corey Burton is a, is an older gentleman now, but. <laughs> yeah. Really, really awesome. Like did not expect to see Cad Bane. And also the, here's the reason that Cad Bane is here. And I love this. Cad Bane brings up the correct point uh, that Boba Fett, before he lived with the Tuscans and realized that he shouldn't be a dick, worked for the Empire. Right. And murdered people. 
And this is like a lot of people are saying- a little bit of light murder. A lot of people were saying, well, we brought up in our episode with Mel that if you read the the comics, Boba Fett is fucking ruthless. Like he will just gun people down. And some of the choices they made with him in the comics, I don't necessarily like for other reasons, but he will just gun people down. He ties up Bosk in War of the Bounty Hunters and leaves him to freeze to death. Like obviously Bosk gets out of that. But he was fully prepared. It's funny not because Bosk is looking at him. Yeah, Bosk is look, looking at him like I knew you when you were twelve. You you can't be fake badass at me. And Bob was like, "Oh, bet." Yeah, Boba Fett is ruthless in those. And Cad Bring brings up the correct point that Boba Fett in the Empire era, a worked for the Empire, and b was like a stone cold killer. That's why I'm a little annoyed that they're making Boba just be a crime lord. I wish they'd gone the, a little bit of a leap further. Like, he doesn't want to be elected legitimately, but I feel like he he's like, he's not, his goal doesn't seem like it's like, he doesn't want to run Spice. He doesn't want to do the slave trade or whatever Jabba was doing. He just kind of wants to to be in charge of Tatooine and help out the little guy. And I'm a little, I think... I, I would wish they had spent more time on that in these two episodes rather like him learning like, oh shit, I don't actually want to be a crime Lord. I just like this swanky palace. I want to like bring Tatooine into a new era. Boba Fett uh, union organizer. Basically though. Well, and Boba Fett union organizer and land back activist. Like right. I was hoping we were going to get a thing with the Tuscans where we would see Tatooine enter a new era where like it's no longer cowboys and Indians like we can move past that the old western stuff and start doing new stuff with Tatooine with especially with the involvement of Tamura Morrison who's Maori like and has brought a lot of his culture to returning to the Boba Fett role yeah it's a mixed bag because you know what Book of Boba has done for the Tuscans is unbelievable like the way that the show has gone the extra mile to show the Tuscan culture uh, but then they just like fridge them for no reason in episode three. And we talked about in our episode three review, uh, we actually talked about how this could have been done a lot better. Like there was there was other ways to tell this story that didn't yeah, I necessarily require that. I appreciate John Favreau a lot, uh, but he needed to not write that episode uh agreed wholeheartedly that that episode should have been written by somebody who could have done it a little bit more sensitively than but i did like that cad bane brought up boba's past which is a thing that really hasn't been talked about on the show and i also think that's important that it's cad bane that does it because cad bane is very emblematic of boba's past like Django. i'm so fascinated when they get to speak he was uh he was there at the beginning. He's got a grudge against Boba because Boba shot him in the head. And that's what I'm hoping yeah. that I want. I want one of them to be like, I want that line to come up and be like, how is your head? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, want, like I just want that to come up in the next episode when if they confront Boba each other. Has, how's your head to Cad Bane? I will lose my fucking mind. That would be so good. I, <laughs> I really, really need that joke. I need it. I, I need it. To I, I need like the West western standoff between cad at the head of the like but like if they're going to do sort of like a standing in line shooting at each other like let's have that standoff between boba and cad because 
And I love also that the Pikes get like a recognizable character attached to them because they're the way they do the Pikes. And the way the, they've been yeah, pretty nebulous the and faceless. I did actually, I did like the live action Pike. Like they, when he took his mask off or, earlier in the series, uh, even though it, it was a little unsettling and uh, Calvin and I have been talking the whole show about how we, we don't think it's the Pikes that are the big, like the big final threat. We think it's Crimson Dawn. Here's but, how Kira uh, can still win. Yes. We love to see a girl boss winning. We do. Um, we do. Uh, we, we personally love lady villains here on Gold Squadron Gaze. Uh, we uh, also... it's, a, it's a strong pro on first steps as well. Andy is a very pro lady villain. We also uh, support lady heroes that do villainous things sometimes. Uh, Avar, Chris, you have done nothing wrong. <laughs> and I support you in, in everything you do uh, all the time. I just want Boba to let Fennec off the leash. <laughs> That woman yeah. wants to do murder, and I am I fully support her. Well, now I, you know, I talked back in earlier episodes. My theory was that she was gonna like face off against Chrysanthemum because I thought that maybe he was gonna be the muscle for the twins. But once we realized that the twins weren't the actual villain anymore, and now that Chrysanthemum's on their team, I kind of hope now that it's Cad Bane versus Fennec Shan. Because rematch, let's go. That's what I'm saying, because we had them in Bad Batch face off. So oh, I'm yeah, I forgot. Like, they, they fucking know they each fought, other. They, they fought know each, each other. other, yeah. And, they, and she whipped his ass. She yeah. whipped He's his ass. He's probably still for, mad about that. Protecting Boba Fett's fucking sister. Exactly. The, just this the is, levels This of is how Bradley's craziness. theory of Omega can, is going to be mentioned in this show. Can still come true. Yeah, I do want that. That would be a... I've like people because there's been rumors and speculation all around the show. And one of the ones was Cad Bane will show up. It was pretty obvious. Um, like it's not a it, it, not like, to me. He came out of nowhere for me. Well, so he came out of nowhere in the show. But like why he's in the show makes sense is what I yes. mean. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. to the point like, like most people thought the rumors were like just like no sources, just people making things up. Because it's pretty easy to go like, oh, Cad Bane knows Boba. They fought in that deleted scene of Clone Wars. They'll want to talk about it. Here he is. I did want people, people wanted Omega to show up. I never really wanted that because it'll like, I want to find her story out through Bad Batch. There's so many conversations I want to hear between Boba and Fennec. I really love their relationship and I wish we were getting a little more dialogue with them. Well, I'm kind of hoping too that this, this Cad Bane showing up either, I don't necessarily think, so even though I have her on my bingo card, I don't necessarily think she'll show up per se. Now that we know that possibly season two of Boba is happening, I think it would be a fun teaser at the end for Fennec to reveal the fact that she knows Boba's sister and he, she knows where she is. And then Bad Batch can kind of explain to us where she ends up by the end of the season. And then yeah. Boba season two can go revisit that in live action now that she's an adult and be like, hey, here's Omega. And now Boba Omega reunite for Alpha and Omega. Like, it'll be like a really interesting. That uh, it, Bad Batch is way off topic, but I did love the reusing of the Alpha moniker from Legends of like the clone that became Rex. Dave Filoni has clearly read some Legends. <laughs> well, I mean, in the, the Clone Wars art book, which is I think long out of print, but I did own as a child, Rex was originally called Alpha. And George said, you have 
Anakin, Ahsoka, R2, and Alpha. You cannot have that many A names. And we like, we two of them are locked in stone. We, we're keeping Ahsoka, change Alpha. Uh, there's a small line that Cad Bane gives after the shootout where um, he's like, as long as the spice keeps moving or whatever, uh, very spice must flow. Yep. To me, uh, wanted to bring that up because Calvin kept bringing up Dune references and there's a Dune reference, Calvin. I just go. think I am bugging Calvin by my refusal to watch the modern Dune after watching David Lynch's Dune last fall. So I'm I'm really enjoying that my Dune, the Dune stuff I picture is the whacked out 80s stuff, <laughs> even though it's the same source material. Have you, Bradley, gone back and watched Dune since you fell asleep while watching it? Uh, Which no, I will I, not I, let you live down, by the way. <laughs> I will bring this up. I fell asleep while watching The Last Jedi. Uh, not the first time, but my friend Kenny in high school booked us a 10 p.m. showing oh, The Last Jedi. And like, like we, we were all like, what are we doing? So I fell asleep in Ray's Mirror Cave. Oh. I have I have fallen asleep during... The Lord of the Rings is my favorite film series of all time. I have fallen asleep during Return of the King, which is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, so, well, sometimes the, in Lord of the Rings, it, it's it's slow enough in like a good way, but then the music hits and it's like, wow, this is just a lullaby. Yep, uh, which if you're watching the extended cuts, which is the correct way to watch them. <laughs> in the age of binging, there's no excuse for you to watch the theatrical cuts anymore. I, you can watch all two and a half I'm hours, gonna, guys. I'm going to die on my incorrect hill that there are better movies in the theatricals. I finally uh, watched the, the the extended cuts, and I thought that the the scenes were good, but I think the the crafting, like the pacing, was a little bit jarring for me. I want to fight you on this, but that's another podcast. <laughs> Fair <laughs> this enough. Is another podcast when uh, the Rings of Power comes out. <laughs> my my final note is uh, there is some discussion on whether or not Cobb Vanth is alive or dead. I think he's very obviously still alive. Yep. I think the purpose of the deputy in the scene is to die. Yeah. so that there is a fatality uh he gets it's, shot in the shoulder there's dialogue that the same as hunter yeah it, it's the exact it, same scene there's dialogue that implies that they need to get a med pack that they need to get him inside that there's obviously still a chance to save him like i think it's pretty obvious that they yeah. didn't kill off no. Cobb vanth Cobb vanth is going to show up real hurt to boba's palace and be like holy shit guys there's this really scary looking blue dude yeah I will say, so we were talking about Cad Bane's live action design, which I agree, very good. Uh, his teeth were unsettling. I know that's what <laughs> I know that's what Duro's teeth look like. I know that's like been his design, but okay. So I was having a conversation with Chris from Dark Side Divas because who else would I be having this conversation with about sex with Cad Bane? And I All right. the, that's a strong not start. Your eyes at me, Bradley. That's a strong start to this. Sentence. The theme, the theme of this coverage of Book of Boba has been Charles is a monster fucker, actually. And I came to the conclusion that the teeth don't matter because Cad <laughs> Bane is not the type to give head. Cad Bane is the type that wants head. And you give it to him and he's not going to reciprocate it. So the teeth are not, he's also like a no kissing gay. <laughs> like he's the type that says, he has oh, no, no lips. Exactly. He's like, oh no, no kissing, bend over. And I'm like, okay, yes, sir. Like, 
this is how this works. I've thought about this extensively after hearing Corey Burton's voice. Oh God, now I need to cut this whole thing. Otherwise we're going to get arrested. Um, <laughs> what? Moving what? on. <laughs> what? He's like 70. They hated Charles because he told the truth. Exactly. <laughs> he's 70. He's rich. Uh, I, I do. I will do. I will do a lot for, uh, a potential sugar daddy. I actually, so I'm going to say he's not rich. If he's still working, he's not rich. He's yeah. lost his money over the years. Counterpoint, he's still working because he enjoys it. Well, yeah. No, and then that oh, actually God. is a good thing to think about with uh, contrasting him and Boba, who Boba gives up the life, but Cad Bane is 70 at least because we don't know how old Duros yeah. are. Uh, I do like Star Wars' like, commitment to if you're an alien, you can live however long you want. So however long whatever is story. necessary for the narrative. <laughs> I do think it's, it's, it's a, in legends, like they were pretty strict, like, okay, Yoda's lived this long and certain other species do, but everyone else is the human. And, and Canon is just like, all right, um, we'll have you in every era we want. Time means right. nothing. And also fuck you. Yes. This is my, this is my extremely detailed. I didn't note it, but I'm glad Bradley brought up the teeth. Uh, this is my extremely detailed here is how sex with Cad Bane would work. Uh, you're welcome, no one. <laughs> the hat stays on during sex. The hat also stays on during sex. Um, one last, 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 last thing, because we need to move on. Um, yes. Where is Toto? Not Dead animated. Again. Dead again. Dead again. <laughs> Cad Bane shot him 30 years ago. I'm like, where is the little robot? He needs to, I thought when he was walking out in like the desert, I thought like Toto was going to kind of like walk behind him, like walk right out from behind him. I think no. they probably decided Toto's design is too stupid for live action, honestly, which they, I don't agree with. But... Or they didn't want to detract from the scene itself. Although they Probably. put the they put the bunny droid in, so anything anything is anything can happen, now. right? Well, maybe anything he'll show goes. up next next week. Maybe he'll show up next week. We cut to the sanctuary where some pikes come in to enjoy some libations. They set down their Camtono at the booth and purposefully leave it behind. Garza is kind of confused when they leave, but suddenly realizes it as a bomb explodes, destroying the sanctuary. Uh rip Garza flip and figuring Dan. Uh, that's that's a real shame. Max that- Rebo lives. Max Rebo lives. Max Rebo is not, in, not this in the scene. scene. And they do make a point. Scene. They make a point of well, showing I mean, every band member. So they're, except they're, Tim. He's not well, there. John and Dave are exactly the type of dorks where that was on purpose. On mm-hmm. purpose. He had the yeah. night off. He, they were like, oh, you know what? He has to go home to his family once a year to mate or something. Like, so he wasn't there that night. <laughs> like, Max Rebo. Max Rebo like has a sixth sense and like knows when an explosion is going to happen and make sure he's not in the room when it happens. I am slightly disappointed. I'm looking forward to supplementary material that explores Garza Whip. Yeah. Um, because I love her character. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot there that didn't get explored. I don't necessarily feel like this is a fridging instance because it's not just for man pain. No, there's, they I mean, killed her off. Boba there's Fett doesn't really it, give a shit. Yeah, there's like, a point gives and a it shit. has an impact. He gives a shit because, like, he liked her, but he also, like, he knew she was important. Her establishment was important. It's not, a, like, if they kill Fennec in a dumb way, that'll be fridging, but... Mm-hmm. Or the Tuscans 
kind of are fringing yeah. in the sense that they are killed off specifically so Boba can be sad about it. And Although that we doesn't really affect the overall We didn't plot. see the one Tuscan we know as a lady's body, so not that, fridging in the, in the traditional uh that is in the, true the strictest sense but i agree with you that in spirit it's it's they're killed it's to move his story much, along yeah they're whereas the Garza dies to move the entire plot along which yeah. right it does it does always suck but it also does establish stakes for this that the pikes yeah. have now killed a character that we like and was an an ally to the main character which and I was mean, like rip. a huge part of the social order we've been introduced to on Tatooine. Like that's that's like killing the most popular like bar owner in in a small town, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, or killing the, Cobb Vanth, really. The interesting thing about this is that it demonstrates the huts kind of played by the Tatooine rules. Boba kind of plays by the Tatooine rules. The pikes are like, nah. And it's sort of the difference between Boba and the pikes is that Boba kind of wants to work with the community and the pikes are like you're going to do things our way or we're going to blow up your establishment yeah because who's going to stop us are the pikes like winning canon at this point like they're in everything they just love the pikes the pikes the pikes in saw guerrera they just love the pikes and both are george lucas creations like for underworld um the original and I like I I get that, but it's just so funny because in when they're introducing Clone Wars, they're just like, ah, eh, there's some weird looking aliens. Clone Wars does this every other week. And now they're in solo. They're in they were in they were a huge part of new Clone Wars. I'm honestly shocked they weren't in Rebels. And now they're here. They're they were in Mandal. They're just everywhere. Yeah. One tiny little note about this sequence. Uh, you can very clearly see a prominent scar on Garza Flip. Uh, particularly when she turns around in the moment before the bomb goes off, which A plus acting on Jennifer Beals, by the way. Yep. Like in just a split second, conveying that Garza immediately figures out what's going on. Right. Like A plus. But apparently the the scar that you can prominently see kind of below her collarbone, uh, that was Jennifer Beals' idea. She wanted us to see prominent scars on Garza Flip that would add a little bit to her backstory i hope she gets fennec i hope she's brought back even if she's not alive that we like continue because fennec was brought back in large part because migna loved playing her yes and Uh, it's almost like they're making this up as they go along (laughs) and i don't mind that there's it's almost like there's only a vague idea of where they want to go and they're just making things up. It's right. almost like that's the backbone of Star Wars. It's just make shit up as you go along. I did want to talk about something briefly before. I know that we're, we've gone wildly over time. But like I saw a tweet this week that compared Dave Filoni to Stephen Moffat. And I think it's really interesting. <sighs> I will preface this by saying I really like Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who. I'm a big fan of Amy and Rory and uh, Matt Smith as the Doctor. And I don't, so, and this is not, this was specifically not about the way Stephen Moffat writes women, which is awful. So like taking that aside. Yes, I, I have the slightly controversial opinion of also feeling like he stuck the landing and his Doctor Who was pretty good. Uh, I have Stephen Moffat, I have a personal vendetta against Stephen Moffat. Because <laughs> of the adaptation of, no, it's over Dracula. 
Gotcha. That was Stephen more recent, Moffat right? and I. Stephen, yeah, Stephen Moffat and I are going to throw hands over his adaptation of Dracula. But, I, but please I, continue with your. Well, so your the only reason I find this really interesting is that it in this metaphor it makes George Russell T Davies, which I think is sort of interesting as like the guy who did like because Stephen Moffat was the he takes over for the really well regarded creator. His stories were like always implying that they had a big plan, and often it was sort of made up as it went along. And that is very Star Wars and very Dave Filoni, who like is pretty good at the the classic Star Wars of like, okay, I'm winging it because I've learned from George, but I'm going to make it seem like it was all connected together. Like the way Rebels and Clone Wars work together, the way uh, Mandal, like a lot of his stuff ends up being, uh, it, it ties a lot of things together. And it's like, well, did this work exactly as well as it could have? Maybe not, but it was really ambitious and it tried and and a lot of people are going to like it. And I do think that like they're with, like with Stephen Moffat as showrunner, with Dave as showrunner or like a significant part in live action, there's some limitations. He's he's not as good at live action, I'll say. And I, he's a, he's new at it. And he has some limits in his storytelling and he, like does certain things with his own characters that are a little a little cutesy but i like i like that and it, 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 when i originally when i was going to bring this up it was in a more negative connotation but i've sort of come around on this episode I was not a big fan after watching it i had the same journey i've, I I've same. like and i honestly think a huge part of my opinion of this and the show overall hinges on next week like, I'm really excited. Like, if they stick the landing of the Boba Fett story, I'm okay with everything, basically. <laughs> except, also, except being out of world upset about the Ahsoka stuff. Also worth remembering that um, people did not like Russell T. Davies when he was showrunner of yep. Doctor Who. And people didn't like George, but they and, venerate him now. And they venerate him now. So, hmm. There is, there's definitely comparisons to be made between and the like, two. Yeah, and it's not really supposed to be a knock on Dave Filoni, who has who has written and uh, directed some of my favorite Star Wars content ever, and I think will ever happen. Like when he's when he retires, I mean, it'll still be like up there. Trials of the Dark Saber is my favorite episode, one of my favorite episodes of television ever, and I'm I, Clone Wars is why I'm here. And so I, I'm not not to knock Dave Filoni, even though I do get some of the criticism criticisms of him it's just it it's a he's an he's an interesting dude his stories are interesting i can't tell who i'm more because it's a collaborative process so i can't tell who's annoying me in the boba fett show whether it's him or john favreau but uh well there's one other potential one but we'll get to that as soon as we're done with the next section it's not robert rodriguez i love that guy i i have some i have something interesting behind the scenes Free my man, right. Robert. I feel like they should have let him do his visual style more. In the final scene, we see Grogu is presented with a choice. The chainmail armor that Din made him or Yoda's lightsaber. The fucking mithril shirt. Yeah. Does he Speaking choose... of Lord of the Rings. Does he choose the drip or does he choose the Jedi? Uh, I do want to talk about Yoda's lightsaber real fast. Um, because... It, it's been a point of contention whether or not that was a retcon. It is implied in the episode to be the lightsaber that he lost in episode three. However, we see what appears to be that lightsaber destroyed in the Charles Soule Star Wars run of Darth Vader, 
we see what appears to be that lightsaber tossed into a furnace. A reference book also confirms that that specific lightsaber was tossed into a furnace by Masamita and destroyed. However, yet another reference book shows that at the time that Luke visited Yoda on Dagobah, he did have another lightsaber. And I saw someone on TikTok raise the excellent point that Yoda trained Ahsoka in Jarkai, which is the use of two lightsabers. So the implication, and both Charles Soule and Matt Martin have sort of said this on Twitter, is that Yoda had at least two lightsabers. It's another connection with him and Palpatine in that fight too. I, I enjoy the Yoda Palpatine comparisons in Revenge of the Sith, just in terms of like literally what they, how they like fight each other is very similar. And maybe it was Yaddle's lightsaber. <laughs> Got Chuck maybe it was Yaddle's lightsaber <laughs> that, that or, you just stole or, because fuck Yaddle. Evan, Evan Peels. The thing with me is that when you see a little, what appears to be a continuity error like that, I think Star Wars fandom has this terrible, terrible habit of assuming it's an error rather than trying to fill in the gap, which I've said before, Star Wars is a mythology, not a history. It's not all going to line up. Hello, Canon Comics and The Bad Batch showing Canon and Order 66 two radically different ways. I did just want to bring up the, the slight lightsaber discussion because I find it interesting. Uh, it's, it doesn't make, it makes more sense than the uh, how Maz ended up with Luke's, Luke's saber. Yeah, uh, we sort of have an explanation on that now, but... Do we? Nice. Uh, Ugnaughts find it in the current run of the Star Wars comics. Uh, sure. So presumably got from them to Maz Kanata. Somehow. Occam's Razor, I guess. Let's talk about Luke making Grogu choose. Boo! Between being a Jedi and being a Mandalorian. I have in my notes that it's incredibly hypocritical and messed up that he's going to make Grogu choose... But I also see where he's, his thought process is in that the whole episode, he's been like, I don't think Grogu's heart is in it. I don't think Grogu is going to be able to commit to the Jedi training. And he needs to commit in part because the time it's going to take to train him, he's going to outlive right. Din. So he either needs to be committed to this or he needs to go back and spend time with Din. It's a complicated situation. Right. I, I mean, for that I matter, wish... he's going to outlive Luke. And I think yes. Luke's well, and Luke's worried about that. Yeah, because he he wants to like if he he wants Grogu to be like able to be stable by the time Luke dies. Basically, forget right. even even forgetting legacy, the Din yeah. stuff. I get what what they were going for here. I wish the writing was a little tighter, so that it was clear that it's not just like it's it's a choice between. Ah, oh man, I just wish they didn't use the attachment rule lines. Like I get, so Ahsoka having problems with that makes sense post her duel with Vader. She just found out Vader was Anakin and like does the world between world things. That's pretty recent for her, uh, her emergence after that. So her world has been rocked by finding out that Anakin was Vader, betrayed everyone. So her radically rethinking what she thought of the Jedi rules makes sense to me. Luke, his character arc ends in the original trilogy by saying i am a jedi like my father before me how the hell do we get here well i think that's the problem is i've said before that luke is kind of cosplaying a jedi like yeah he got a few weeks of jedi lessons but he doesn't have the necessary level of training 
to really understand what this attachment rule and things like that meant. And I think it leads very nicely into the supreme fuck up that he's going to make. Yeah. In his arrogance, you know, he talks about in The Last Jedi, in his arrogance, he believes that he's doing the right thing. And it turns out that he's making catastrophic mistakes. We see him taking Grogu away from Den, which I think was a mistake. We see him leaning so hard yeah, on the Jedi never, dogma. Never listen to the armor. The armor never is listen absolutely to the armor. Full of it. But we see these this reliance on Jedi doctrine that he is is eventually going to lead him down to the path to where he's going to fuck up with Ben Solo. Ah, uh, yeah, I get that. I just I don't know. I kind of wish we got to see like Luke the hero a little bit here. I like and I love flawed Luke. And especially to me, if if Grogu's path is to choose Din, like I wish Luke was more compassionate in his choice or in, in his presentation of the choice. No, I yeah, I don't like how he's giving him the choice because it's one of those things where like Luke is only making certain rules now because he's trying to think of the longevity of his quote unquote school that he's trying to make. And then he'll change his viewpoint once he kind of gets it going and then Ben kind of turns on him and stuff like that, he realizes like, oh shit, I wasn't supposed to do things exactly the same because that's how the first one got fucked up. And so I don't know why he's not like realizing that now versus later. It's kind of one of those weird things. Like he's like, no, I don't want to do everything the same because I didn't even do everything the same. Like, I don't, I don't I've never understood why Luke doesn't connect to the fact that like he didn't receive proper training. He didn't receive the same thing that regular Jedis do. He is the first person in a long line of Jedis who was never trained the right way, the proper way that they deemed the right way back in the Republic era. He's the first generation of that. And you'd think that like somebody who was taught in a weird offlandish way of this new order, like would start teaching his students like a weird different way. Like, hey, you know, there's not just all these things that matter. Like you would even thought like that he legends. would have been- Right. Yeah, and even well in Legend, Legends was interesting because yeah, Luke did away with the no attachments rule in Legends, but for the most part, he basically put the Jedi Order back to exactly the same thing it was, even more so than in the new canon. There's still a political force. Yeah. In Legends, especially by the time of Legacy of the Force and Fate of the Jedi. They're basically I'm most, exactly mostly the same, thinking about the now. I'm mostly thinking about the Bantam era stuff, which is really what I have a soft spot for pre uh, New Jedi Order, which I know is it, some bits of it are good, but it's like 80 books and I can't read it all. <laughs> the uh, yeah, I think that there's an underlying theme and Luke carries it through in sort of the post return of the Jedi of things trying they try to put things back the way they were and they don't realize that that just gives rise to the same problems. So Luke trying to train his students exactly the same way as the Jedi did gives rise to another Anakin Skywalker. The Republic trying to do, put everything back to normal and basically do like a neutered version of the original Galactic Republic lets the First Order rise. It's, It's almost like putting things back to normal with absolutely no structural changes gives rise to the same problems in yes which is why rise of skywalker's ending is a little weak for my taste i i honestly like 
I feel like Star Wars is, is letting me down a little bit on this front. I want to see that transformative change in this new canon stuff. I want to see them get out of the boundaries of the 80s. Bring water back to Tatooine or cha- radically change the, uh, the, the way the inhabitants relate to each other. I wanted Rey to found a new order. I, wa- I did not want her to be a Jedi. I wanted her to found the new order of whatever, like she, how she teaches with compassion and how she learned from Luke. Like Luke's right. The Jedi do need to end, but they need to end so they can be replaced by something better. Yeah. Carl's soul sort of covers this in, in the new Star Wars comics um, where Luke yeah, has stuff a conversation. Is, his stuff is great. His I love Carl's soul great. stuff. But he covers this where he talks about the Jedi changing over history. And he says, sometimes we're warriors. Sometimes we're teachers. Sometimes we're, uh, you know, dwindled down to a, just a handful of us. You know, the order has evolved so much over the oh, century. that's the good shit. And I do want to see, especially the character that actually gets to deliver that monologue. Oof. Oh, I love Star Wars issue 20 so much. Uh, but that... That is something that he established, and you're right, I, I do want to see it. And Luke kind of reverting back to the trying to be the old Jedi without the necessary training. I am disappointed in him for doing it. I understand that it's going to set up where his arc is going to go, but it is a shame to see it. Yeah. I don't it, think it's bad writing. I think that it's no. the character making a mistake. Yeah. And I, I, what I meant about the writing was just, I, I would have liked a little bit more clarity in the dialogue. I'm not like, I, I'm booing the character choice because I also don't like it as like, <laughs> just, I don't want Luke to do it. I don't think it, I agree that it's not bad writing. To me, the only weird thing is that I'm curious how it's going to go that Luke's not really going to learn from this such that he will make a similar mistake with Ben. He right? won't until he gets to Ben and Luke Which, not learning lessons in time is kind yeah. of a core central theme of yep. his character. Him waiting till literally the last minute for something to get through his thick skull. He crams for the final every time without doing any of the homework. Uh, right. It does make it does make me think. Uh, just as a prediction, I think I think Grogu is going to choose Din. You think so? Yeah, I I agree. I do yeah. also think Grogu is going to choose Din. I honestly, like, I was expecting it to take all of Mandalorian season three to reunite them. Uh, but I don't, I don't it's think not. that there's, I, there's nope. no way that it, it, episode I one. guess <laughs> they really, and they really wanted, uh, I feel like the, uh, the retaking of Mandalore plotline to get into gear. This episode was directed by Dave Filoni, but of course. It's his best live action so far too. I, I think yeah. it's his. I disagree. I thought the the Jedi was better. I am not a fan of the Jedi Hmm. for a lot of reasons. I'm a fan of the Sith. I'm not a fan of the Jedi. Um, I I did in rewatching season two of The Mandalorian like it more than initially, but I feel like Dave's live action stuff doesn't have the like oomph of his of his animation. He's no Bryce Dallas Howard. And he's not he's not he's not (laughs) he doesn't do the primary George lesson, which is faster and more intense. <laughs> yes, Dave. I think Dave did fine on this episode. Yeah. He continues to be weaker than some of the other ones, but again, I get it. This it this is his student films, he's, basically. Yeah. Well, it's it's just funny because animation that he's directed is so good. <laughs> now, who wrote this episode, Bradley? So 
we have had this trend of all season it has been written exclusively by John Favreau, but this time we finally have a second writer on the credits of Dave Filoni has also helped write this episode. Because obviously uh, no right. one's allowed to write Ahsoka except for Dave Filoni. Of course. Uh, and occasionally E.K. Johnson. There is another aspect to this. I am doing a thing I'm rarely doing. I am dropping an IMDb page in the chat. Wow, okay. I, feel like I'm in, I feel like I'm in Zoom class. I know. Because I'm, I, uh, I actually went and did some research on Noah Clore. Right, Noah Clore, if you writer. remember, was the gentleman who is credited as a staff writer for Book of Boba right. Fett. And I've dropped his IMDb page in the chat. Firstly, because I want you all to take a look at the credits for the Book of Boba F- or for, for what he has done. Because oh, okay. we saw this, we saw this in uh, Bad Batch, where uh-huh. they have people who are doing other things on shows. Right. And then they let them take a chance to write it. So Noah Clore was the writer's assistant for The Mandalorian. He was the Fairview right. coordinator for the first season. He was the writer's assistant for the second season. And now he is the staff writer on the Book of Boba Fett. So he did not get a writing credit for Mando, but he's now being credited as a staff writer on Book of Boba. So it looks like this guy is actually contributing a lot to the scripts. And if we look at his other credits, he hasn't done a whole lot. Like he's done a lot, but it's mostly like it's short films and TV movies and not a whole lot, but he was really involved in The Mandalorian, it looks like now. So I'd be curious how much he has contributed to the scripts. How much of them were him and how much of them were Jon Favreau that actually did the writing. My guess would be on this one, it was primarily Dave. Like Dave's Dave's hand probably has the uh, the biggest influence because it's an Ahsoka episode. And Dave, Dave does like we're talking about like stuff, and he he does understand like the the he understands the original trilogy characters, even though he doesn't write them that often. So I want yeah I, I wanted to go ahead and bring up Noah Clore just because it's been an underlying theme that yeah, John Favreau gets the, the John Favreau gets the writing credit, but the Noah Clore it looks like has been involved in the Mandalorian and has gradually worked his way up. Also, he's pretty cute. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Yeah, we saw that last time we looked him up, and we were like, "Huh, okay." I was like, oh, "Okay." Like, I looked him up, and I was like, "Oh, yeah." He's no. young too, which is interesting because mm-hmm. Dave, yes. Dave, and John are—they're not old men, but they're—they're not—they're not, they're not they're the not young guys they used to be. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Noah Clore definitely will be keeping an eye on this gentleman in future yeah. Li- Star uh, Wars projects. The coolest thing to me about the live action stuff, especially, has been watching the new blood that's gotten a shot at Star Wars. It hasn't always yeah. worked, but like Bryce Dallas Howard being involved is, and directing is such a gift. It's just it, it it's such a cool it, it's what Star Wars is like the new era. It's what it's doing best, I think, is, is letting new people take a crack new at the people. universe and see what's going on which is like why as much as i love dave's stuff and i i'm so grateful for the finale of clone wars like i really enjoy bad batches jennifer corbett's show yep we are we are inching up to (laughs) hitting uh the this episode is too long mark so i'm just gonna take us straight into uh why do you want to give us your final thoughts on the episode so honestly in talking with you guys i feel like i've 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 ended more positive than i was after watching it and i still sort of 
come on the side of like, I enjoyed everything that was on the screen. My favorite was the Tatooine stuff. I wish the uh, Luke and Luke Grogu Ahsoka stuff had been separate. I am in talking about it with you guys. I'm really excited for how all of it is going to play into the finale of the Boba Fett show. Honestly, I will be able to give my final thoughts on this episode more like once the if the series sticks the landing, this episode goes way up in my head. Um, but it it was a lot of cool things going on at once. I think for me, uh, I've, I've had to sort of accept that this is going to be Mandalorian 2.5. The The show is primarily about Boba Fett, but it's not going to be all about Boba Fett. They're wanting to advance the main story. It has me a little worried for the Ahsoka show and wondering how much of the show is actually going to focus on Ahsoka and her journey. Uh, and hopefully it's not just a setup for here's a bunch of things that we need for the Avengers style team up. Was it wasn't a huge fan of this episode when I first watched it. Obviously, seeing Luke Skywalker is great. I do love seeing R2 and Ahsoka and Cad Bane and all these characters pop up. Uh, I agree with Wyatt. It, a lot of it, for me, is going to turn into how do I feel after episode seven and seeing it all come together? How am I going to feel about it? Because right now I'm feeling pretty good about it. But if it turns out to have taken a lot of time from Boba Fett's story that was necessary... I'm going to feel less positive about it. Bradley, what are your final thoughts on the episode? Um, yeah, I agree with both you guys. I think um, that if this show does, as you say, stick the landing, I think if it comes back to Boba and the finale is truly focused on Boba and his story and we get all that good stuff um, tied up in a nice little bow with him and then um, you still have the fun characters that we introduced along the way are in here, like Black Chrysanthemum and um, Cad Bane and stuff like that. I think the show will work in the long run. In the terms of the overall series, like the the shows, like I I feel like they want to call this whole entire section of storytelling the Mandalorian and not just link it to just the show the Mandalorian. I think it needs to be like interwoven show of they're all one show. So it's kind of like the Mandalorian is the show. The book of Boba is a chapter of the show. Right. It's not a different show. I do think this lends credence to the theory that uh, the Mandalorian is going to be rebranded after season three, that they will rebrand it into something else, which I still think is going to be the Mandalore. I will say, I I really hope uh, that Tamura and Mingna get some screen time in Mandalorian season three and that they didn't just lose it to 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 din here and because i really it's been really fun watching those actors play those characters and with this show doubling down on the connection between din boba and fennec i want them i want them to be in episodes like especially if boba wins in the finale keeps tattooing like we 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 gotta we gotta see more of them well wyatt Thank you for coming on and talking about this episode with us. Uh, I know that we had a lot to say about it uh, because there was a lot going on here. Do you want to tell us a little bit about where we can find First Steps, where we can? Yeah, I'm just double checking the social handles. But on Instagram, we are uh, First Steps Star Wars. uh, And on Twitter, First Steps SW. Those are our most active social medias. You can find us on, uh, I believe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the the, the main podcast places. Uh, I, I feel like Instagram is one of our more active uh, 
channels. We we have clips from the podcast on. Occasionally, I get jump scared by my own voice, which is always fun uh, while clicking through stories. Um, but yeah, so that's where you can find first steps. We uh, let me check when our last episode came out. Uh, it was earlier this week as of recording. So when this episode dropped, it'll be the week prior. Thanks. Well, I'll okay, link yeah, it so, all too yeah. in the so we bottom. and right. we we are in the middle of uh, finishing up the Clone Wars. So if you want to start from the beginning, or if you're an experienced Star Wars fan, you can hop on board and uh, join our chronological journey from Phantom Menace to the Rise of Skywalker. Awesome! I was about to I was about to do the chronological journey from Phantom Menace to the Rise of Skywalker. One time I gave Calvin the recorded intro and I accidentally said from The Force Awakens to The Rise of Skywalker. Never noticed. Edited the whole thing because The Force Awakens and The Phantom Menace sound the same in the like cadence. So Calvin like days later is like, you know, you said The Force Awakens, right? What? Oh my goodness. Well, Wyatt, thank you again for joining us. Uh, It has been awesome. Bradley. Please run the social so we can get out of here. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did we forget something? Email us at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at goldsquadgaze. And you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at goldsquadrongaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at goldsquadrongaze, where we post this podcast as well as exclusive video content. Please join us next week and every week for another episode of Gold Squadron Gaze. I want Cobb Vance's scarf. His gay little scarf. I. What is it with Star Wars and gay little scarves between Cobb Vance and <laughs> Poe Dameron and Rise of Skywalker? Oh, that's right. I forgot Poe had one, too. Yeah, they're basically Poe's the same. Poe's last god in, in Rise of Skywalker, and it's it's so amazing and also so gay because he also has a little like tote bag with him, and he's got the sleeves rolled up like half. He's like he's like halfway between gay and your dad. <laughs>